For the last year, Baz has faced horror and won. Now, Baz will finish. <laughs> My nervous system is at your disposal. Mm. Uh, to be mocked by the fucking idiots that listen to this podcast. This episode of the podcast Under the Stairs is brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Check out the podcast Under the Stairs and many other shows over at legionpodcast.com. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is the finale episode of year three of Baz v Halloween. That's right ladies and gentlemen, this is episode number five and uh, things are looking interesting. Uh, The Baz can't be beat now, he has reached that coveted five point spot. The Baz will not be going home with the loss. However, there is an opportunity if horror can do the unthinkable, if Halloween can score two points in this final episode, we can bring this to a tiebreaker. It's never happened before. To be honest, I don't know what it means. Um, let's find out how our contestant feels. Let's see how let's let's see how cocky he actually is moving into this final week. He is, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the Baz. Buenos noches, my sexy little collapsing triathlete bitches. <laughs> right, there's a reference in here I'm not getting. Right. Yeah, well, see, I've actually I've gone a bit topical, Duncan, and now I'm starting to think most people won't hear this for well over a month. <laughs> so they won't understand the slide. Basically, <laughs> it was a little homage to the Scottish triathlete guy who was running the World Triathlon Championships just last week there. Mm-hmm. And he was just about, he was like uh, uh, 200 yards for the finish line and he started collapsing. Yep. Um, and his brother was running behind him and his brother had the chance to win, but his brother stopped, picked him up and basically carried him. And threw him. To the finishing line and threw him over the finishing line. And that's pretty much how I feel right now, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was checking out the tweets. Um, I'll be honest with you, I, I am not the most compassionate feeling person, right? You may have you may have gathered this. I yeah. do quite like it when other people are suffering. It's just in my nature. I don't know why I'm such a cunt, but I am. Um, <laughs> I was feeling just a tad, a tad, like a smidge. Just the tiniest, tiny, 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 tiny little granule of sympathy after reading your, your tweet this morning was basically said that you've had enough your your wits yes. are shot, and you just want this to be put to bed. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Happens every year, though. Every year we get to the final week, and you're just like, "Why did we do this again?" Yeah, I, I think, in all honesty, I think this year's been worse though, Duncan. I think we've really packed it in. Yeah, to a much shorter space of time. The readers, the the readers, <laughs> the listeners, listen to me. I'm fatigued. The the listeners. Obviously, it'll be seamlessly produced by yourself, big man. Mm-hmm. It's like it comes out every week, but we've we've crammed this into about just like two, two and a half weeks. Yeah, or just, something just for over that. just it's over two weeks. Um, that's ten. So all the other shit that goes on at the same time. Yeah, there's <laughs> ten ten movies, um, five shows over two yeah. and a half weeks. So yeah, 
That's commitment, Baz. It's commitment. It's your commitment, and I hope hopefully people understand that we could have taken the easy road out on this. We could have dropped it down to one movie per show. Um, yep. It would have made it much more manageable for both of us. But your commitment, your unwavering support and commitment to our listeners out there, you have really put yourself through the ringer um, to to get in the position to put these shows out. And I hope that they enjoy it as much. I, I mean, I've already started mixing down the episodes and I forgot that in episode number two, you go on a seven-minute diatribe rant about Bono. It's probably yeah. one of the greatest things we've ever recorded. I was, I, I had tears pissing it's all, my eyes. It's also, it's also one of my shorter, less vitriolic Bono rants. It is really, actually. People might be like, that. I can't believe you said so much about Bono. Trust me, those that know the Baz, that was the condensed, that was the pocketbook edition Oh, oh, that's the one that your kids can listen to. <laughs> I don't know. You dropped the C bomb a couple of times. Yeah, but it's a lot less than I normally drop. This it. is also anyway, true. Anyway, if, if the listeners are pleased with what they're enjoying, please send your thanks in the form of grouse whiskey. Um, because I've been forced to drink whiskey max made for Glenlivet malt whiskey tonight, and it, that's no helping my fucking mood, any Duncan. It's not. It's not at all. It's not at all. Nerve shot to to, to their very wits end. Um, my whiskey mac tastes weird. Yeah, your whiskey mac tastes weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why, God? <laughs> Why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> it could be because you called his only begotten son Bono a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> right, so this is the last episode of this year's oh. Baz v Halloween. We have two movies left to watch. Up first tonight, we'll be discussing Ty West's The Innkeepers, and we will be closing it out with our found footage feature, The Tunnel. Now, Baz, like I said at the start there, you are in that rather fantastic position, which, believe it or not, you were in this position this time last year as well. Um, you came in at the the five point mark, the 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 weight being lifted off your shoulders to a certain extent. You cannot be beat now. There's no way that that Halloween can beat you. However, there is the chance, the the the, the slimmest possibility that maybe Halloween can bring back a point, maybe even two points, and bring this to a draw. And what a weird turn of events that would be if we got three years in and hitting a draw. Um, Baz. Yeah. Out, out with the feeling rundown and all the rest have you enjoyed Baz v Halloween this year? Uh, I have yep there's been some excellent movies in there um, there's not really been any bad ones normally there's one or two films that I don't enjoy mm-hmm. you know for, for one reason or another and I don't think we've had any of them I've liked them at varying levels it's got to be said but I think that's always the same Um Yes, I have. There's been some interesting ones, and I think it's because this is the third time around now. And in addition to the three, the three Baz v Halloweens, obviously I've done all my other shows, so I have watched a fairly sizable amount and broad spectrum of horror now. And I think it's stretched you a little bit this year mm-hmm. to try and get stuff one that might still bearing me a chance of fucking me up and you know too it's interesting it's going to make for good shows and they've not been done to death on other podcasts you know because a lot of the, the folk that listen to our show listen to a lot of horror podcasts you know and particularly with some of the franchise things you know there's, there's been times we've been doing a franchise and other podcasts are doing it at the same the time the same time yeah you know 
Um, so yeah, I, I think this year has pushed you a bit, mm-hmm. which has been interesting to see for a change. Um, and I think you've pulled out the bag with some of the films. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt we'll talk about it probably towards the end or maybe my anniversary show or something this year, you know. Yeah. But yeah, some of them... Like, Noroi, I think, is the one that really sticks in my mind because it was a film I didn't really want to watch. Mm-hmm. wasn't looking forward to it at all. Possibly didn't make an ab missed experience if you like we due on when we yeah, did the yeah. grudge um really wasn't up for it um and ended up loving the film i've been scared shitless as well um <laughs> you know and, and finding it it's, it's what become one of those ones that i bang on about like i still talk about poughkeepsie people and yeah. stuff like that and the last broadcast and lake mungo and that noroi's kind of joined that group of films that i kind of you seen noroi mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean so um yeah there's been some good ones in here this year um, I think the condensing it down is a weird effect that I'm going to come on and talk about when we actually start doing the reviews as well. Yeah, yeah. It's been a tough shift, but um, if I didn't like David Duncan, I'd be telling you I don't want to do this anymore. Do you know what I mean? This is true, this is true. You're not one to mince your words, Baz. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And if Baz is not happy about something, trust me, I'm usually the first one to know. Um, so... <laughs> Sometimes second behind my wife, but I, you're yeah. normally right up there. <laughs> right, so I, I mean, will we will we just get in and get this done? We've got two let's, movies, and then you're a free man for let's get it done for a bit of time. So yeah, so let's uh, let's um, get ourselves ready. We're going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that we love. You're going to hear the intro for Baz v Halloween, and then you're going to hear the trailer for our first movie review. This is Ty West, The Innkeepers from 2011. Myself and the Baz coming right back right after this. Hello. You've heard of Honest Movie Trailers, right? This is an honest podcast promo. I'm not going to fill it with sound effects and explosions and quotes from movies and all that kind of stuff because, hey, I wouldn't want to build up your hopes on the production values of what you might actually get if you download our silly little podcast. Instead, I'm just going to put in a highly inappropriate in-joke that you won't get unless you listen to the show. The little part of horrors. The best idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Like I said, pussy's back on the table. Find us on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes, if you dare. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. Try and try and stay to the end of this film, we dare you. No problem, son. No fucking problem at all. And I'm putting my notes, I'm quite a nerd at this point. The big bang. And like the, the camera kind of shudders, so there's a kind of movement to this bang. And at this point, I was quite freaked out, I think. I've written here, right, the go get Arturo Brackett's Oscar's brother and go to house. Out come the Glocks. Yeah! Jesus, Jesus wept. This time she's just dragged right down the stairs and right into that cellar that we've seen previously kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've written here shat myself. They use a Simon toy as a Ouija board. And I've written here right after that, beyond shite. So they get out of the old faithful Ouija board and it never ends well. Uh, no, I've, I've that... I don't think a Ouija board has ever been brought out anywhere, either on television or in real life, and ended well, by the way. Just don't ever fucking get one, kids. At this point, I had one of my little involuntary shits. Oh, yes, Baz. Um, <laughs> um, and my Avast Virus database has just told me it's updated there and scared seven shades of shit right out of me. <laughs> I fucking hate computers. We then go back to what I'm now referring to as Ouija Simon. Um, and I can't even remember what happened there because my notes say utter shite. Lord. Just fucking dreadful, Duncan. <laughs> so bad. Basvi Halloween, year three. Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. She hung herself after her fiance stood her up on their wedding day. And ever since then, people have reported seeing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley roaming the hallways waiting for her lover. Some say she's even looking to take up a new one. This is our last weekend open, so we've got to find some proof that My Little Malley really exists before this place closes down. I have my microphone so we can make do with EVP investigations. Yes, I like a room for the night. Since the hotel is practically empty, we might have a good chance of making some real contact. What was that? Did you hear that? Hang on. You want to communicate with the spirits in this hotel? I can help you do that. What do they want? To live. Mustn't go down into the basement. Under a blanket of blue, just you and I beneath the stars. After the arms of sweet And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for our first movie review of this very final episode of Baz v Halloween 2016. Right, we are looking at Ty West, The Innkeepers from 2011. This is written and directed by Ty West. The movie stars Sarah Paxton, Pat Healy, Alison Bartlett, Jake Ryan, Kelly McGillis, Lena Dunham, Brenda Cooney, George Riddle, other folks are in the movie. The synopsis for this one, nice, short and sweet. It says, during the final days at the Yankee Peddler Inn, two employees determined to reveal the hotel's haunted past begin to experience disturbing events as old guests check in for a stay. Right, um, this movie 
point of fact, has already been covered on the podcast under the stairs. I believe this was our third our fourth ever episode, so way back at the start. Right. Um, the Hairless Wonder, Graham Humphreys, had not seen this movie before, um, and we decided to do a little retro on Ty West. We looked at uh, House of the Devil, which is a movie I fucking love to levels which are ridiculous. There's um, a trailer for that movie on my DVD copy of The Innkeepers. It's, oh, well, it's on Netflix. Oh, is so, it? Actually, yes. I quite like the trailer, I've got to say. It's fucking an amazing movie. Um, and this is the movie followed up with, The Innkeepers. So, um, Tywis an interesting character in horror. Um, he has... He was very much kind of like seen as being potentially the next big thing. And then he kind of just disappeared. It's, re- it's really weird. He's coming back. He's doing a, he's doing a, a western, I think this year um, in the Valley of Violence but he started off 2000 that possibly be classed as a Thai western oh my god (laughs) (laughs) dude that could be the wittiest joke we've ever done on this show (laughs) and I'm just gutted that it was you that said it and not me Um, so yeah he kind of I was going to say he came to to fame he didn't really come to fame by doing The Roost but The Roost is a really weird fucking movie Um, it's about kind of zombie bats it's kind of old school sort of horror movie Um, he then kind of followed that one up with a movie called Trigger Man it was alright great Um, but he became kind of notorious um, with his involvement in House of the Devil, which, like I say, is a, a movie which came out of nowhere, really embraced its kind of kind of based, embraced its horror roots, had this kind of late seventies, very early eighties, you know, like, supreme attention to detail, and it's a it, slow it's burn. Very oddly shot. It looks really old. Yeah, well, everything, the attention to detail is ridiculous in that movie. Mm. You watch it and you feel like you're watching something from the kind of late 70s, early 80s. It's really yeah. weird how he and did I'm it. On, I'm only going with the fucking the two minute trailer that was in my DVD. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's that's the genius of it. I think he's, uh, is he, you know, he really committed to doing what he did in that movie and it works um, he also in the same year did Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever but he subsequently took his name off it when the studio recut the movie into a version which he wasn't happy with so he took his name off it altogether um, and then he came back with the Innkeepers you've seen I believe only one of the things he's ever done in fact two, well, according to his uh Part three, actually. Holy shit, Buzz, you're practically a connoisseur. You know, it's, it's funny. I was going to ask. I was going to say. I was going to start this view. I don't think I've actually seen anything of Ty West. And I thought, I bet you Duncan turns around and tells me I have. Right. Yes, you, you definitely have because you saw VHS. Yes. He did one of the shorts in that one. He did the second honeymoon. So that's the one where the uh, the couple are staying in the hotel room. Oh, uh-huh. and she murders him or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. really didn't like that. Um, he did M for Miscarriage in the ABCs of Death. I knew he'd done one in that. Yeah. I did know that he did one of the shorts in that. I fucking hate that movie, man. Yeah, and he did um, the very first episode of the Scream TV series, which you've also seen. Oh, yeah, that was all right. I'll give him that one. So you've never actually seen any of his feature-length movies. I chose The Innkeepers because we... Almost had this movie way back in the day when we wanted to do a good ghost story and Gion the Grudge won out on that, that kind of public poll. But the innkeeper. Oh, for Basby Horror, you mean? Yep. 
Yeah, right. then keepers I believe was third in that poll. Um, so it was, and it got quite a lot of votes. Um, at the time, a lot of people wanted to check it out. I just genuinely think it's a really fucking good movie. I know it, it gets, it's like Marmite is the Marmite of ghost movies. You either like this movie quite a bit, or you think it's boring as shit. Um, I am very, very interested to check out what you think. And the last thing I'll say is that another reason that I love this movie so much is that you get the fantastic combination of Sarah Paxton and Pat Healy who were reunited in a movie that we did on the show in Cheap Thrills I knew that he was in Cheap Thrills I didn't know she was she's the 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 wife of the guy that pays him all the money the young the, the boy anchor man yeah she the wife is she yeah, yeah. I did not remember her at all yes. right okay fair play fair so, play yeah, so that that's them as well. So, Baz, this is your second last movie. Yeah. Um I am I am really interested. I'm also very pensive because, you know, I genuinely don't know where this is going to go this far into it and what effect we're going to have. Please, 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 please tell our listeners out there, what did you make of Ty West, The Innkeepers? I think right from the off Duncan I've got to say I had absolutely no fucking idea where I was going to fall on this one either mm. um, I was oddly familiar with this film I think it was on I'm sure it was UK Netflix for a, quite a long time yep. possibly Sky Movies but I think UK Netflix and then annoyingly when you gave me my list of movies this year I was going through them and said oh that innkeepers I wouldn't need to buy it it's on one of the the services that I've got and it's fucking not but in fairness if you are interested you can pick it up for like about three quid on popular internet resellers these days mm-hmm. um, yeah so I did that and then when it arrived Eli Roth's name's at the top of the DVD cover and I'm like oh, fucking hell <laughs> is this another fucking thing that he insisted on being part of but it's not it's actually a quote yeah one of the best, smartest, and scariest horror films I've ever seen by Eli Roth, director of Hostel. They guys a fuck with you, think Eli. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've probably written that and then demanded that they put you on as executive producer or some fucking thing. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah, so I settled out and watched this one last night in the dark, fairly oh, late on. Nice. Um first thing that grabbed me actually was some of the names that came up on the screen. I knew that Pat Pat Healy jogged a memory. I'm like, where did, where did I know that from? And then I looked in the back and I was like, oh, that's the wee guy from um, Cheap Thrills, yeah. as you said. Um, and of course, his face is on the cover of Cheap Thrills, mm-hmm. on the movie post on the DVD covers and that, so I recognised him. But the names that can interest me is Big Kelly McGillis is in it, man. She is indeed. Oh, I masturbated about that woman many a time when I was a young lad. <laughs> She's aged um, quite a bit, hasn't she? She has, has <laughs> said. Um, she's also a huge fan of the Vagine, as uh, Big Kelly, as am I. Um, and as a teen, I was a huge fan of Kelly's Vagine. Which, unfortunately, she didn't get out in Top Gun, but my God, she was a good-looking woman in her fucking day. Um, yeah, she's, she, she's aged a bit. Fair play her, she's aged gracefully. In fact, another, um, another movie that she was in, which was a trailer on this, was Stakeland. Yeah, she's really good um, in Stateland. Which I saw, God, before I was doing Baz V Horror, I'd, I'd watched it on Sky one time, so I quite liked the vampires, and I had that kind of post-apocalyptic thing going mm-hmm. on. So I checked out, and I was quite taken aback when I saw Kelly McGillis in that, because I hadn't ever seen her really after Top Gun, I don't think. 
Yeah. Um, but if you've seen that, she looks exactly the same in Innkeepers. Uh, and the other name was Lena Dunham, who mm-hmm. is now famous for, is it Girls she does or something? That's right, yeah. Uh, which is a show I have never watched. <laughs> I've got to come on to that, actually. When we get to her part in this film, I'll tell you about it. It's not a, a thing that I have watched with any regularity. But she seems really famous. She's forever in fucking magazines and stuff like that. Lena mm-hmm. Dunham, anyway, she's in it, and I was quite surprised by that. Um, over the opening credits, there is some hella dramatic music, it has to be said. <laughs> um, they're really over the top, but I, right from the start, I thought, I think this film is going to be a bit over the top with certain things, and it totally is. Mm-hmm. It has a... It's got an odd flavour, this film, and I kind of dig that. Mm-hmm. Just because it's... It is a little bit different. It's a little bit quirky, this film, I find. Yeah. Definitely. And now seen the whole thing, and I quite dig that. I like it. It's not weird. I just, I just like things to be a bit different. Mate, put your own fucking stamp on it, Ty West, and he did. Uh, and it's not even a western. Um, so during these opening credits, these names are flashing up. There's this very dramatic music, and there's also basically photographs of a building. And after I watched it about twice, I realised it's the same building going through the sort of decades, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yankee peddler in. Um, we see a young girl who's called Claire. She turns up to work there. Um, and I've written here basically at this point, I've realised it's a hotel. And it's going out of business like that weekend. So it's like their last weekend kind of thing. Um, and she works uh, with the wee guy, well, I've written here, with the wee guy from Cheap Thrills. Yeah. Uh, she says Pat Healy, um, or as we will be calling him in this, the shite ginger Tintin. <laughs> He does have a tin tin haircut. Let that sink in for a minute. He does have a tin tin haircut. It's uh, He looks like Tintin about 15 to 20 years. Um, oh my God, that's creepy. My iPhone just made a noise and I looked down and on it, Siri was saying, did you accidentally summon me? <gasps> no, I didn't, Siri. What's going on? But that's a wee bit weird. Yeah, I'm creeped too. I'm turning my devil phone over so I can't fucking see. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, back to Big Pat Healy. He looks like Tintin about 15 years after the height of his pantaloon-wearing adventures, right? And the world has really ground Tintin down. <laughs> and he's probably drinking a wee bit more than he should be, right? <laughs> And to shake things off, he's experimented and dyed his hair ginger. So, if you've not seen this film, that's what the character of Luke looks like. Um, we're just going to call him Shite Tintin. Shite Tintin. Okay. Um, so he turns up. They've obviously been working together for a while. Um, and we find that he's, he's big heavy into the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, he's creating some kind of website about the paranormal or something, right? Um, and he's like, oh, come and see this. But I found last night when I was in the, the forums and all that, right? So he's obviously a total paranormal geek kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's this, so she's watching it on his laptop and it's like a, an attic, like there's a camera in an attic and there's an old chair there and a robe hanging in the background. But it's one of these things that did the rounds in the kind of late 90s where you sit and you stare at this and you stare at it and you stare at it and then this hideous face 
yeah. leaps at the camera and screams at 40 decibels to scare the shit the It used to be the scene from The Exorcist that did it, but in this one they can't use that because that's another movie, so they do something Is, else. Was the scene from The Exorcist the one that appeared in the Renault ad? The fake Renault yes. ad? Yes. Yeah, somebody got me with that when it first came out. And the, the internet, well, I was fairly new to the internet at, at that time. The internet was still in its kind of fledgling state, um, but it was becoming more popular. I had... Despite doing a degree in computing, I had managed to avoid going on the internet the entire time I was at uni. <laughs> and um, and I checked this out. Somebody sent it to my email when I got my first job. Um, and I proper shat my pants. <laughs> um, I was very, very unhappy with it. Um, yeah, so basically, it's like a rip off of that. And even though I knew it was fucking coming, it still fucking scared me a wee bit, which annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you see do- this one coming? What one coming? The one that she that they watch in this. Did you see that jump scare coming? Yeah, yeah, I knew right. it was coming. That's what I'm saying. And it, it was too obvious because he's going like that now. Now watch really carefully because I missed it the first time and I was like, "This is a scare video." Um, <laughs> yeah, but it still kind of scared me when it happened, which pissed me off. Um, they appear to be doing like a big huge 24 hour shift together or something like that so they're basically taking turns one will go and sleep in one of the rooms mm-hmm. so Claire she goes first go up to get her head doing kind of thing we meet a woman with a kid who's staying in one of the other rooms and big Kelly McGillis rocks up um, looking very on Top Gun like uh, and she checks in and her character is uh, she's like a, a kind of famous actress who, who now no longer acts kind of thing but I, th- I don't know if it was supposed to be like a sitcom or one of these American daytime soaps or something she's supposed to have been dead famous in that and she doesn't do it anymore kind of thing but Claire recognises and is totally stoked she's a bit of a um, a bit of a fan mm-hmm. uh, becomes fairly apparent early on that this hotel is supposed to be haunted and they're kind of interested in maybe capturing proof they've been trying to do it over a period of time not really got anything uh, we shake Tintin, he claims to have seen the ghost, but it, it just happened not to have any of his recording equipment or anything like that with him, which is horse shit, because I'm pretty sure he takes it to the toilet room, because he literally carries it everywhere in this. Yeah. Um, and I've written here, so after that, so after we get sort of introduced to them all, Kelly McGillis has turned up and that, there's a, almost a comedic feel to the film up to this point. Yes, very much so. I mean... And any little scares that were in it were gag-type scares. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are a lot of gag-type scares through this film, which I actually think serves a useful purpose, which we'll come on to later on. Ooh, right. Anyway, um, Claire gets a bit annoyed at this fucking... No, it's not, so it's just like that. I ignore that. Um, <laughs> she, was, she used to get coffee for a reason I can't remember. Um, basically, Lena Dunham works in the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays this kind of over friendly, over chatty type woman. Um, yeah, Lena Dunham. I never watched Girls ever, right? <laughs> I saw four minutes of one episode of Girls, mm-hmm. and it contained the fifteen-second shot of Lena Dunham's hairy vagine. What? It was literally. Comic timing of the highest order. <laughs> it, 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 it was, it's in one of the later seasons. I think it's probably the season that's just finished. Um, and there was a scene where I think she's, um, I think she's a teacher in it or something. Have you ever watched Girls? No. No, no, no. 
think she's maybe a teacher or like a student teacher or something. And she's just hauled up in front of her boss. I think he's like the headmaster and she's getting reprimanded about something. And she does the whole Sharon Stone yep. legs akimbo bit. Mm-hmm. And there's a big massive hairy vagine. And it's right there growling at you. You know what I mean? <laughs> For a weirdly long length of time. And apparently there was a fucking hoo-ha about it in the, in the weeks after the episode came out kind of thing. And that is literally... It's like my vagine radar kicked in. You know what I mean? <laughs> Barry, there's maybe a fanny on Channel 4 or whatever fucking channel it is. Maybe I'll try Channel 4. I wonder if it's on Channel 4. Oh, it's no, that, will you look at that? It's that girls, Barry. There's girls in it. Maybe there'll be a vagine. Let's <laughs> watch this for a minute. Oh, there's a big fucking hairy vagine. Where'd that come from? Bazzi's, Weird, man. Bazzy's inner voice is even more seedy than Bazzy's voice. <laughs> He's my seedy dark side. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's literally all the acting I had seen Lena Dunham do. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of crass over the top, Sharon Stone flashing her fanny. Um, but hats off to the girl, do you know what I mean? She got it right out. Yeah. Which is more than that fucking troll up Stone did. You were never quite sure if you could see it or not in that film. It was... <laughs> <laughs> I was really like, fuck you, Sharon Stone, just shows it. Shows it, Sharon! <laughs> oh, I'm getting quite carried away with myself now. Uh, anyway, in the innkeepers, her vagine remains completely covered in multiple layers of clothing. She basically just works in the coffee shop, and it's the only fucking scene that she's in. Yeah. Uh, back at the haunted mansion, um, or the hotel, whatever the fuck you want to call it, Big Tintin, he's away for a sleep now. Mm-hmm. Players downstairs on his laptop. Avoiding his rather seedy internet history. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, it's quite funny, I've got to say. Um, and she's looking at his website. Mm-hmm. Um, and it appears to be like videos he's made inside the inn himself. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Um, while she's watching it, she kind of hears noises um, in the hotel itself. Uh, she tries to record them. She can't get his recorder working, even though she promised him she could. And then there's a big jump scare when he turns up. And that, that's what a lot of the jump scares are in this. Mm-hmm. Like, she's creeping about and he turns up um, and scares the shit out of her, kind of, like, um, you know, unconsciously. Doesn't mean to, but he does all the time. Um, but it serves a bit. This film's quite a slow burn. Yes, yes. That's what Ty West is known for, yeah. is the slow burn. And even when it ramps up at the end, it's not... I'm trying to think of an example. I have seen films as part of As V Horror that the last 20 minutes, you know, there was just every fluid in my body was pouring out every fucking orifice <laughs> in me. I think for the last 20 minutes because it was like somebody opened the gates of hell in my living room. <laughs> um, the, the, the ramped up ending in this is not that extreme. No. But... There are so many of these stupid fucking little jump scares through it that you subconsciously become really on edge. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because you don't feel like you should be on edge because the film's a bit of a piss take. Not a piss take, that's, sorry, that's the wrong term. It's oddly comedic. Yes. And that doesn't sit with how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So at the end of it, you don't have a fucking clue what's happening. And we'll get to that when we get there. <laughs> anyway, after she gets scared by shite Tintin, chapter two, Madeline O'Malley. 
there was a chapter one at the start, which I didn't write down the name, so I don't know what the name of chapter one was, but the film is split into chapters. Uh, the but, original one was prologue, I think. Uh, well, that would make sense, because the last one's epilogue. Mm-hmm. Well thought out, Ty West. <laughs> um, well, chapter two's got Madeline O'Malley, and Madeline O'Malley is the ghost, the name of the ghost that supposedly haunts this hotel. Um, we see Claire telling the wee boy who we saw briefly earlier on with his mum, she basically tells him the story of Madeline. Um, and apparently she was a bride who was jilted at the altar. Um, and she hung herself in the hotel after being jilted. But the owners of that, and this was like back in like the 1800s or something like that, and the hotel owners at the time didn't want to lose trade or something, so they like... Um, they buried her body in the basement or, or hid her body in the basement for a period of time before they were able to get her out uh, without anybody seeing because they were too greedy. They wanted, they didn't want to lose trade kind of thing. And as a result, she decided she was going to hang about and haunt the fuck out of them. Um, the mother is not happy with Claire at all. Because the wee boy is shitting himself by the end of it kind of thing. So she's uh, not very happy about that. Um... There's a few kind of shortish Tarantino-esque kind of dialogues between Claire and Tintin throughout the film kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this first kind of major one, the bit is the purpose is to let you realise that they want to get Madeline on tape before the place shuts. They want kind of definitive proof mm-hmm. uh, before the place closes down. Um, there is then a great fucking scene <laughs> where Claire has to take the rubbish out Oh, yeah. to this skip and it's so brilliant here in Falkirk council area <laughs> we have am I right Duncan we have more bins than you can shake a fucking stick at yeah this is um, I think we've got five now yeah five, five different receptacles for different kinds of rubbish and, and six if you include the sacks for clothing which this I is also true yeah but one of them is a black like a short kind of black sturdy box thing for putting glass in. Recycled glass. Yeah, you got one of them? Yes. Yep. And in the bottom, there are holes in the corner to let any liquid drain out. Mm-hmm. Right, now, <laughs> despite my, my proclivity for a wee bevy when I'm doing this, we don't actually go through an awful lot of glass in this house. So mm-hmm. quite often that bin can sit out there for a couple of months before I take it out to get emptied kind of thing, you know? So it can sometimes build up quite a bit of rainwater and the like in it. And when you lift it, oh, this water pours out the corners. Mm-hmm. So I end up doing this weird ballet-like dance <laughs> down my thigh, <laughs> holding this fairly weighty receptacle that is full of glass as far away from me as possible without breaking my back and without getting the bin juice all down me. This is exactly what Claire does with this bag. She's, <laughs> she's dragging this really heavy bin bag out to like the skip thing. I don't know what Americans call them. Like the big massive bin for the hotel at the back. And the, the corner's leaking bin juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then she's trying to throw it into the thing. And she's got one hand trying to hold the bin open. And the other hoisting this really heavy bag. We're getting the bin juice down. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, I really, really liked that scene. I thought it was fucking hilarious, man. Uh, and it just reminded me so much of me. <laughs> um, on the way back, she hears a noise in an outbuilding, 
which she goes in to investigate. She finds a locked cellar door, mm-hmm. opens it, a bird flies out, <laughs> as shits himself. <laughs> she chains it shut. I chained my telly up to teach it a lesson. <laughs> yeah. Not very happy with that. <laughs> um, uh, back at the ranch, uh, wee shite Tintin makes no bones about the fact he is off up the stairs for a monster wanking session. <laughs> Have a bit of fucking shame, Ginge. Do you know what I mean? You can tell he likes this wee lassie. Yeah. Really, don't tell her you're off to rip the heat off it, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Say you're away for a wee lie, don't you've got a sore head? Feel free to rip the heat off it. Don't fucking tell her. That's weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you want to come and help? That never works. I've tried. It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> so he's away up fucking bashing the bishop. Um, I can't remember what the term is. He, he uses a horrible term for it. No, oh, no. I can't remember either. Punching the snake or something like that. Oh. It's so it doesn't even it's not even appropriate. Nah. You no, know, you don't punch yourself in the penis. <laughs> you go up and spank the plank. Yeah, or something like that. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it was really. Oh, he refers to himself as a pumpkin, and I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck does that mean?" And then I was like, "Oh, he's full of seed." Oh, that's yeah. fucking disgusting. That's pretty bad. Oh, honestly, I wanted to go and wash myself after that, but I didn't. <laughs> Um, he goes to do that Claire's making what she calls EVP recordings Duncan you're an audio visual geek can you tell me what an EVP recording is uh, no <laughs> it's an electronic voice something EVP let's find out right now while you are talking what is an EVP Baz? well an EVP is an electronic voice phenomenon there we go there you go I had 66% of that you were, fucking you were, nailed. You had it pretty much nailed. So, yeah, that's the recording of weird sounds, which yeah. uh, which yeah. are usually unexplained. Yeah. So she's wandering about the hotel doing this, basically. She's out of the kind of ballroom, conference room kind of bit, and she picks something up. Uh, we can hear a piano. Mm-hmm. And also what sounds like a woman... I've written whimpering... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's very faint screams or something, but basically you can hear a woman not speaking but making kind of noises or something like that in the piano. She finds the piano and then the keys move on their own yeah. and there's a big kind of sound jump scare, which made me jump. <laughs> so I was really fucked off at this point, actually. <laughs> um, she, go- she goes to get Tintin, right? who could give zero fucks for a guy that's trying to build a website based on the haunting of this hotel. He's maybe just found a really good site and was getting right into his wank. Oh, no. I think it's that. Anyway, big Kelly McGillis says she can help her. She describes herself as a healer. Yes. She's basically a fucking fancy one for a psychic, it turns out. Um, she tries to kind of help her contact the spirits. She has a wee crystal thing that apparently helps her do that. Mm-hmm. doesn't seem to work. She does then say that there are three spirits and that they want to live mm-hmm. and that she's not to go into the basement ever. Yeah. Um, and then she loses contact. 
right? And um, some of that is really quite misleading, I find, anyway. Um, uh, well, when we get to the end, I will put forward my theory. Okie dokie, diddly pokey, because I don't have one. <laughs> um, player goes to bed. Madeline appears in the bed next to her, which was creepy. Oh, that That's is, yeah. the first kind of proper horror scare. Like, the, she kind of rises out the bed with the sheet over her, and I was like, oh, there's creepy wee Tintin trying to slip a digit in. <laughs> it's not. It's, and she's this weird kind of corpse-painted fucking bride thing. <clears throat> not very pleasant. Uh, Claire runs out screaming, and then it's basically the morning, so you're not sure if she's just in some kind of dream or something like that. Mm-hmm. Chapter 3. A final guest. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't try to calm Claire down. He's writing Kelly off as a bit of a quack. An old guy turns up and he wants to stay in room 353. Now, they stated earlier on in the film that the third floor had basically been stripped and emptied and it was only the kind of first and second floor that were still open for the weekend kind of thing. Uh, but the old boy will not take no for an answer here um, even when they tell him that the, the doors are, the rooms are stripped and all that and apparently it's where he spent his honeymoon mm-hmm. anyway Claire's lab well listen the bed's still there so if you want we can get you sheets as long as you don't mind no um, no furniture and shit which he's, he's okay with um, Claire and Tintin have a few beers which is really what you want to see when you walk into a hotel you know yeah. what I mean? Reception staff having a bit of a bevy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not the fucking 60s, man. Come on. It's not, it's not mad men. You know it's what I mean? Mad men. <laughs> um, yeah. They talk to Kelly. She's telling them we've been psychic. Tintin's been a wee dick to Kelly at this point. I'm like, man, she was in Top Gun. Mm-hmm. You've no shag Tom Cruise. She has. Back off, Tintin. Right. Um, God, that Glenn Levitt's really strong. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the 12 year old Glenn Levitt, boss. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. So then they, st- they start. Um, I thought they were having another experience, but basically they reenact what happened to Claire. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they're howling. And then. We ginger Tintin, he starts to kind of drunk hit on Claire. Not overtly, but just saying, you're so nice, and I really like you. know, that's pathetic, man. Man up. <laughs> uh, you, you told her you were doing for a wank earlier on, mate. It's too late to tell her you like her. Do you yeah, know what I mean? That ship has sailed. Yeah, she just sees you as a fucking creepy toilet pervert. <laughs> um, Claire's half candle, so she thinks they should go down the basement. You were warned against this, Claire. This will not end well. They go to the room where, where uh, Madeline's body was supposedly kept and they start asking questions, you know, like, can you hear us? Is there anybody there? That pish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Tintin's get his wee recording meter thing and it starts going a bit nuts. He's freaking out a wee bit. You start to hear the noises that we heard earlier on again and then Claire gets all freaked out and basically says she's right behind you. This is if um, she can see Madeline behind Tintin. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, doing himself no favours, screams like a fucking lady queen <laughs> and runs out the cellar, leaving Claire there. Right, mate, there is just no fucking chance. 
you're going to get to see her vagine now. <laughs> Honestly, you're a cowardly toilet pervert. <laughs> Fuck me, Ginger Tintin. What were you thinking, sir? Anyway, hapless fucking buffoon. Um, yeah, he then basically says he's getting the fuck out of Dodge. He admits to faking all of the stuff that he told Claire like, about, oh, I've seen the ghost and all that. Freely admits all that was shite and is totally freaked out and drives off mm-hmm. and just leaves the lassie there. Do you know what I mean? Even if I didn't want to bang her, I wouldn't leave her there. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That, that's just shite. Dick move, Tintin. Dick move. <laughs> uh, she's not got much help, other options. So she goes to Big Kelly again for help. Um, they head back down the basement. Kelly appears to make contact but breaks a wee crystal and she's like, we have to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she tells Claire that she's in danger. Claire goes to warn the old guy we're getting out of here, mate, this place is fucked. He's in a bath, he's opened his own wrists. This was in a bath full of blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, she obviously freaks out, as you would. Uh, and as she's running out, she looks back in the room and Madeline's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was quite freaked out, but I've got to say. <laughs> he runs down the stairs, Tintin's come back, so he, he just turns up for another wee shite jump scare. I'd have punched him right in his fucking pathetic, creepy wee face. <laughs> Um, Claire sends him to get Big Kelly but then she thinks she hears Big Kelly doing the basement um, so she goes to look for her and oh mother of god the old guy is standing behind her at the top of the stairs mm-hmm. or like his ghost or some fucking thing wasn't expecting that at all <laughs> she falls down the stairs stumbles further into the basement and then there's like in a shot that basically is darkness and she's trying to get a light on and that and you catch a glimpse of him like further back up this corridor, naked, covered in blood with his hands outstretched. It was really creepy. Mm-hmm. Really creepy. She runs further into the basement. Then she ends up at the kind of cellar doors that she chained earlier on and Madeline appears. And she just keeps getting closer. And we don't see any kind of attack, but it's implied. Mm-hmm. then you get like chapter 4 epilogue and we see Claire's body getting wheeled out um, the cops are talking to Tintin uh, he goes back to get Big Kelly she says oh there's nothing I could do and then there's a final scene <laughs> there's a final scene the camera kind of goes through the hotel everybody's out so the hotel's empty now and it goes to the kind of room in the, one of the rooms that was key to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the camera goes in the door and is looking into the room. And it's just sitting there looking at the room. And I know what's coming. <laughs> it's going to be like that internet bright scare thing we saw at the start. Mm-hmm. Something. Because it went on far too long. And I'm like, something any minute now something's going to happen and I was so fucking wound up I was looking away from the telly and basically the door slams and I still fucking shat myself <laughs> um, yeah so that's usually the I was in by the end of it I, I literally I was looking away kind of grinning ruefully at myself um, couldn't even look at it 
the end of the film. This film, right, Uh-oh. has no right to be as creepy as it is. <laughs> and it's like I say earlier on, the big crescendo is basically when she ends up in the basement alone, there's the old guy chasing her. Or he's not even chasing her. He just appears behind her and then appears in the corridor. Mm-hmm. And then you see Madeline. And Madeline's not doing that whole Grave Encounters head flipping open thing. She's yeah. just slowly moving towards the camera, if you like. Mm-hmm. Face doesn't change. She's creepy looking, but the face doesn't change or anything. But I, oh, I like cold chills, hairs all up on end. I was freaked out to fuck. <laughs> and I think it, it's like what I was saying earlier on. There's so many stupid little jump scares and wee bits where you think you're going to get scared and then something stupid happens to give you a fright, but you're annoyed mm-hmm. at getting frights from it. And it, it's all a bit goofy. You know what I mean? And there's, there's bits clearly done for humour. Mm-hmm. And they're quite funny. So you don't expect to be in that state. So by the time you get to this last 15 minutes, you think you should be all right, but you're not. You're actually in a bit of a state or a kind of heightened sense. And then when this stuff starts happening, it's just not too much. I was really, really annoyed with myself. I how freaked out. Really annoyed. Like. I love this movie. I love this movie. Um... I think its strength is in something that you kind of already touched on, is that it's a quirky movie. Um, It kind of reminds me of... It's almost like someone took the kind of... the weird kind of quirky... not comedy, but the kind of interactions of of like clerks but transpose that into what would happen if you were working in a hotel um which was haunted in its yeah. last days that's can, not a bad analogy actually as is, is a bit reminiscent of clerks yeah, points. And, yeah and they move it over into that and but for all intents and purposes you're right it shouldn't work it's so goofy in parts that the scares shouldn't work the jump scares don't get me. It's everything else that gets me. It's the build up to it. Um, like, see that piano scene. That piano scene genuinely gives me the creeps, and I know every time. And it's because she's she's walking into the room. You can clearly hear piano music, but when she takes her headphones off, there is no piano music. There's uh-huh. no piano, so she puts the headphones back on. There is piano music. So when she walks up to the piano and there's no keys moving or anything, you're like that's quite weird someone's going to walk up behind her because they've already done that jump scare twice in this movie yeah you know someone's going but no they just do something as simple as well two keys play on the the piano and it's it's the startle from it i think the madeline o'malley kind of makeup is really cool i think it's, it's creepy and it's very ghost-like and yeah. and it's very over the top and it's very kind of old school horror this is a ghost you know um but I think it works really well. I think they use that really... They don't put her too much in the movie either, which would detract from it. I think the whole mythology is just really simple. You know, this jilted lover that, you know, like hung herself in our our hotel room because, you know, you know she was stood up um, on at, at the altar. I think that's a really cool like little bit of mythology and the, the hotel yeah. having that I, I love that thing as well the i take i take some things slightly different than you do because 
I like to kind of fill in blanks where I don't have any. Um, and, oh, sorry, I like to fill in blanks where there are blanks, so there isn't any. And I think when uh, Kel McGillis' character says that there are three spirits, she's mm-hmm. looking into the future. All right. Right, so there's Madeline O'Malley, there's the old man, and there's ultimately Claire. And that's why she predicts her death. So she's like that. She can see her, you know, dying. So she says, don't go into the basement because she knows that's where she's going to die. Um, I also think, on some weird level, that old man might be hinted at, even though the time frame doesn't even make sense. Is he, like, some sort of reincarnation of Madeleine O'Malley's lover that left her? Because he goes to the same room. He goes to the room that she kills herself and he kills himself, and he shows up and he's very adamant that he wants to stay in that room. Um, so there's a weird sort of finality to that as well, and that, you know, she's already dead, this old man arrives, kills himself in the same room by, you know, you know suicide. Um, so is there, is there a link with that? <clears throat> and the final shot with the door, um, you need to be really quick with your, your pause button, or do a very, very, you know, if you've got that step-by-step um, pause on your your DVD player. Um, just before the door sh- the door shuts, there is the outline image of Claire in the curtain. Um, oh, is that? Oh, I yes. didn't get that at all. She's that is very 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 quick, very 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 quick. But it's to that's Claire's room. That's the room that she's been sleeping in in the movie. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that. You know, she's died, and that room's claimed her as well. And um, what I like about this movie as well is that ultimately the reason, the the rationale or reason behind Claire dying isn't anything paranormal. It's just simply she had an asthma attack, um, which is kind of. It's kind of all the way through this movie. You know, we see her with the inhaler all the way through it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. She she does have asthma. When she gets, like, panicked or short of breath, she uses her inhaler. Um, and ultimately, what we have is we have um, our, our buddy, uh, Luke, saying, you know, I could hear her screaming, I was banging on the door. Um, and Claire, from her point of view, she thinks it's the old man banging on the door. Mm-hmm. So... Is what happens in the basement what she sees? I mean, she falls down there and hurts her head. Is it look she sees, but she sees the old man and locks herself in that room and, you know, ultimately doesn't have her inhaler, dies of an asthma attack from panic? We we don't know. We don't know. There's this kind of rational side of thing. And then there's what we see, the supernatural side of things as well, which is equally, you know, which is, in fact, if anything, it's, it's terrifying because we don't see exactly what happens to Claire, we just see the top of her head and it's bloody um, where she bashed it. So, you know, did she die of fright? I don't don't know, and I love that idea of, you know, um, Kel McGillis' character basically saying, listen, there is nothing anyone could have done. You know, she she tried to warn her, but it was almost as if, that's what makes me think that she'd seen the future. Um, It's like, there was nothing we could do. It was, you know, that's how it was going to, that, that's the look could never have saved her. That's how it was going to play out. Um, yeah, I fucking love this movie. I like really, really, really love it. And it's funny, our our hairless wonder friend, former co-host Graham Humphrey, fucking loved this movie. I mean, just was like, I, I very rarely do I hear Graham speak about movies. On I think he only maybe gave out two five star reviews in his entire time on a podcast under the stairs, and then Keepers was one of them. 
Mm-hmm. He, you know, he was he preferred it to House of the Devil, which isn't right. House of the Devil's a better movie, but um, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I'm glad you watched it in the dark. This movie, you watch it in the day, a lot of its impact is gone. You need to watch this one in the dark. You need to watch it at night. You need to turn the speakers up a wee bit um, because there's a weird. It's another movie that uses like you were talking about the dramatic sound at the beginning of the movie. It's kind of mm-hmm. over the top, orchestrated sort of thing, like that. but. There is this weird kind of atmospheric hum that just kind of persists through the majority of this movie in between the scares, which just sits there in the background to to build things up. You know, the music builds up over it when it needs to. Um, and the first time I saw it, the way you were talking about feeling at the end of the movie, like the last 15 minutes going, there's nothing huge happening here, but why do I feel so uneasy yeah. um, the first time I watched this movie I felt exactly the same like mm-hmm. exactly the same um, and truth be told I bought this movie Asda for, for those that live in the UK um, Asda have a tendency in their DVD aisle to put out a ton of horror titles every week there's more horror titles than anything else get released and The Innkeepers was one such uh, title Um the, the you know the year got released on um, DVD and I bought it then and I've since lost my copy I think I loaned it out to someone never got it back but I bought it then um, and I hated you know I, I I hated the cover the artwork that the, you can see actually it's probably the artwork you've got in yours I really didn't like it it was a, a really cool kind of you know animated one that someone had drawn I think it was a dude designs had done it and I thought it was so much better and so much in keeping with the tone of the movie, I think the cover artwork for this one is very misleading. Um, it makes it look like some sort of gothic horror movie, and it's really not at all. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to say about this one, Baz? Uh, no, I don't think so. Don't I think I have vented fully. Yeah, right. Now, I don't know where you're going to go with this, because it did scare you, but did it scare you enough, Baz? for Halloween to pick up the win and there's only way there's only one way sorry that I will find out that and the listeners will find out that and that is for me to say Baz on the Pantheon the stage of battle for the second last time in the arena of the gods and champions on one side stands Halloween on the other side stands the man the myth the legend the Baz in this round who was victorious? Was it Halloween or was it the Baz? Um, I think begrudgingly I'm going to have to give it to Halloween, don't you? <laughs> I was. Uh, I think if at the end of a film, if I'm in such a state that I know that there's something coming and I am physically looking away from the telly, I'd be. That'd be a cheap shot to claim that one for myself. I've got to say. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if, if I'm being honest, I, I, I was genuinely a bit annoyed. <laughs> I, I, I can tell. I can tell you're not happy. I can understand why I'm so freaked out by this film. But um, yeah, I, I can't possibly claim it for myself. I couldn't fucking look at the last fucking scene, <laughs> you know, because I knew something was coming and I'm too much of a fucking mess to cope with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Halloween. Oh, what? what? What's the scores new, big man? It's it's four to Halloween and it's five to the Baz with one movie left. 
this is closer than I thought. I've never been like this before. This is closer than I thought it was going to go. Although in saying that, I... Well, let me put it this way, Baz. I've said this before, and we will find out on the next movie review if I was right. I set out, purposely set out, a list of movies that I thought the first two weeks would be easy for you, and then weeks three, four, and five would be difficult. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of shot that in the foot. Like, week one, the first movie was the one that got you, second one didn't get you. Week two, the first movie didn't get you, the second movie got you. Week three was a write-off. You yeah. know, nothing got you at all. Week four, the movie I wanted to get you didn't get you, and the one that I put in as a practical joke was the one that got you. Mm-hmm. And I said to you that this this last week was the week I was confident about. I thought the innkeepers would beat you. Um, and I'm confident... <laughs> I'm saying that just now. I think the tunnel's going to beat you as well. Um, and... That just well, proves to me that signed out, big man. Yeah, yeah. If, if I, I wasn't selling this enough to the listeners now, who are listening with bated breath, we have one more movie review to do in year two of motherfucking Baz v Halloween. Year three, sorry, year three of Baz <laughs> v Halloween. Baz, are you ready to tackle this last movie? Yep. Oh, let's do it then. We're going to take our next break. You're going to hear promos for shows that we love. You're going to hear the trailer for our final movie review of this episode and this season of Baz v Halloween. It's the tunnel. Found footage in the Baz. A match made in heaven or a match made in hell. We'll find out right after this. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. Hello, I'm Paul Blimey, and I'm your host on the Trilogy of Terror podcast. Each month, I'll look at one director and talk about three of their horror movies, kicking things off in episode one with Lamberto Bava, the man who brought us demons. Now, the horror films might not always be scary, or even good, but, well, if that happens, what movie and pizza night isn't all the better for a bit of extra cheese? Come and check out the show at gentlemansgrindhouserecords.com or find it on iTunes and Stitcher. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. Hello and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, bark, bark, bark. <laughs> and he said, bark, bark, bark. And she said, bark, 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 bark. That's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. <laughs> which, anyway. Which one is crying? <laughs> the boner of tears. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, This is the Doomed Show is available on hellodoomedshow.podomatic.com and doomedmoviethon.com. Hello, hello, this is the Doomed Show, Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Napa. Whenever something's not spoken about, I've got to ask why. That's my job as a journalist. 
plan from the start was when we got to the tunnels was to get to the lake because that's where the story was. Directly below one of Sydney's busiest train stations is the forgotten water resource that's causing all the controversy. Bell Atmos. Welcome back. So here we are, right at the very end. This is the final movie review of Baz v Halloween Year 3. We have already trolled through nine horror movies to get here and it's never been as close as it is right now. As it currently stands, the Baz has five. Halloween has four. If the Baz wins this one, ultimate victory. If the Baz, however, loses this one, we are in a tie-breaker situation. Um, I have no idea how I resolve that, so what we might end up doing is just calling this year a tie, because very much Tossing like the Baz... a coin. Oh, maybe, actually. Um, the <laughs> fatigue has set in big time with me. Um, we're, we're running through all these as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll see what the outcome is. But um... You will get no sympathy for me, McLeish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. Um, the final movie we picked, uh, well, when I say we, I mean me uh, and my evil brain, um, picked was, uh, well, because it's a found footage movie, I picked a tunnel from 2011. Now, there was a couple of reasons why I picked this. The predominant reason why I picked it is that it's Australian, and we know that the Baz likes a wee bit of Australian horror. It's uh, yeah. It's a, it's a, a penchant of the bands, so to speak. Um, but further than that, the format of this particular um, found footage movie kind of falls in line with Lake Mungo in that it is a documentary. So it's put forward as a proper documentary that happens to have clips and footage of something that has happened. Um, so that was that was my main justification behind it also kind of because i kind of thought it might scare you so obviously um but yeah that that was the, that was the choice for this one so uh let's let's talk a little bit about this movie before we get the bazzy's views um it was directed by carlo ledesma um it has some writers by the name of enzo Tedeschi and uh, Julian Harvey fucking hell you would think by the end Australia was populated by people from the UK and Aboriginals 
and none of their names are easy. Um, the movie stars Belle Dahlia, um, Andy Roderick, oh, fucking hell, Rod. Stars Andy, uh, Steve Davis is in this, <laughs> Luke Arnold, Goran D. Clute, um, James Caitlin, Ben McLean, Peter McCallum, Rebecca Clay, other folks are in the movie. The synopsis on this one is, an investigation into a government cover-up leads to a network of abandoned train tunnels deep beneath the heart of Sydney. As a journalist and a crew hunt for the story, it quickly becomes clear that the story is hunting them. Now, Baz, you watched this one last night in the dark. You had someone watching it with you for a bit of moral support to get you past the, the finishing line. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I'm going to admit to some confusion here, Duncan. Uh-oh. Straight from the off. Um, you're saying it's an Australian found footage film? Mm-hmm. Right. Not a six-part British-French crime <laughs> drama. Because I did think it was a weird choice. <laughs> ah, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Could you imagine? <laughs> it's, it's, I know. <laughs> That's like that time I convinced the guys for the um, the podcast in Haunted Hill that I'd bought the wrong Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's bloody hard to find the tunnel, like mm. on internet retailers, because there was about five different films called The Tunnel plus a television series. Yeah. Anyway, I did watch the right one. Um, I watched it on my own, seeing as my daughter whisked out on me and left me on my own. All right. <laughs> there was me just building so, up that you had some moral support. Yeah, I know. I know. No, she was more interested in reading Flaming Manga in her bedroom, I think. So no, I watched this one on my own, don't um, as you say, the tunnel, um, the correct one, is um, an Australian found footage slash kind of faux documentary type number. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit to being quite nervous when I... Re- you, you, right from the start, you realise this one's done like a document. Well, within a couple of minutes, you realise it's a documentary style thing. Um, I, and I was a bit worried about that. Um, they've proved to have been a bit of an Achilles heel of mine in the past Um, in the last Australian one I watched was Lake Mungo and that was fucking terrifying (laughs) so um, yeah I I was slightly concerned as I've stated through most of this season um, I've been a little bit punch drunk Um, the innkeepers kind of took advantage of that Mm -hmm. and hit me with a sucker punch and yeah, I did not think this film was going to end well for me, it has to be said. Um, right at the start, you get a little bit of an on-screen blurb that basically claims this took place in October 2007. It also includes genuine police evidentiary footage, mm-hmm. and several people involved refused to be interviewed for the making of this documentary. I think that's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's genuine police evidence. But hey, well, we'll play the game, Duncan. Play the game and see how it pans out. Opens with a 911 call. That doesn't bode well either. Mm-hmm. They, things like that have not gone well for me in the past. No. Um, Basil is a terrified woman, says her friend's dying. Um, she says she's at the station. 
kind of incoherent at points as well. Uh, and then basically the call goes dead. Um, and then the titles kind of come on, and we, we get that there's a series of sort of old photographs, uh, basically of an underground railroad network getting built. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't say specifically that it's the one in Sydney, but shortly after it, we find out that the, this film is set in Sydney kind of thing. So we're assuming it's the Sydney Underground, if indeed there is one. Um, this was a little bit like The Innkeepers, because you'd see these sort of historical photographs and that. Um, then interviews, the, the sort of interviews begin with a female journalist who we find out is called Natasha. Mm-hmm. Basically, the premise is that there's a drought in Sydney, a severe drought in Sydney. Um, to the point that it's beginning to become like a public health issue. Yeah. And the government have plans, sort of emergency plans, to recycle large volumes of water that they initially say are in underground lakes beneath Sydney. That's not really the case. It's disused underground tunnels yeah. that have been flooded. I'm not quite sure if they were flooded intentionally or if they've become flooded over the years, but there are these huge flooded tunnels underneath Sydney and they're, they're basically going to recycle um, the volume down the, the, the volume of water down there uh, for the people in the city however as it goes on we find out that there's soon some objections kind of lodged fairly quickly there's claims that there are homeless people down there mm-hmm. um, who sort of live down there um, there's all sorts of big plans there's press conferences and then basically Natasha lets you know that it, it was just all forgotten about um it never came to anything and it was basically never mentioned again which she found very strange because of the amount of like work that had gone into it for it just to get not even shit can but just conveniently forgotten about basically yeah it disappears pretty much yeah yeah so i'm I'm just taking uh, we, we, we sip from on recycled water there as it were <laughs> um, yeah she becomes very suspicious about this and she decides to investigate further being an investigative journalist slash wanker <laughs> uh, we're then introduced uh, to the crew one of them I've written here is a blonde cunt that looks like Shane for neighbours <laughs> Now, I am slightly perplexed over this guy, right? I think his name is, uh, is it Steve? I think his name is, right? He's yeah. referred to through my notes as Big Shane, right? <laughs> now, the problem I have with this is he is his living image to the point I was like, that is Shane for neighbours. Then I realised something. All right. I realised that the character of Shane was an Australian soap opera neighbours in the early to mid 80s all right he looks exactly the same in this film <laughs> so either so a number of possibilities one it's not actually him it's just a blonde australian and i'm a bit racist against them apparently <laughs> and i think they all look the same <laughs> two he's had a lot of work done <laughs> or three it is actually him and he still just looks like that and that's the real mystery we should all be investigating, Duncan. <laughs> yeah. While I'm wittering on inanely, I would like you to mugging Google this some bitch and tell me if he ever played the character of Neighbours and Shane. If he ever or played... the character of Shane and Neighbours, even. 
uh, Shane was a Western, and I don't think there was somebody in it called Neighbours. So uh, <laughs> check that out for me. Um, he, did, he did not. He didn't. That, that's really disappointing. It's got to be his younger brother, or possibly a love child. <laughs> his his first his first uh, credit as an actor is in this movie. Right. Definitely not an Australian soap opera, circa '84. No. Funnily enough, though, he was actually a cameraman in real life. I thought you were going to say in Neighbours in the early 80s and that nearly <laughs> blew my fucking mind. Right. I'm going to take you on a wee tangent down memory oh, lane here. I do, I do like tangents, Baz. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed it's not Shane because Shane and his on-screen wife, Daphne, were <laughs> responsible for one of the worst things that ever happened to me and an incident which basically may explain why I am the way I am. Fucking hell. Okay. Go for it. The characters of Shane and Daphne were a young couple in Neighbours who got married. They were trying hard for kids. They were struggling very badly to have children. However, eventually the gods shined upon them and Daphne got pregnant. And there was this very famous scene where she tells Shane that they're going to have a baby there's this look of elation on his face, like, oh my God, I'm going to have a child. And my dad, right, mm-hmm. who in those days worked away from home, so he was only home a couple of days a fortnight, right? Happened to be home that day. <laughs> We're sitting watching this. It used to be on about half five neighbours when I came home from school kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'd have been maybe 13, 14 at this point. My dad burst out laughing. Why are you laughing at that, Dad? Inquired the young yet naive Baz. <laughs> my father's reply. You should have seen my fucking face when your mother told me she was pregnant with you, son. <laughs> what do you mean, Dad? You're lucky you're here at all. <laughs> what? Yep. Basically... <laughs> Yeah, as you know, Duncan, but maybe some of the other other listeners might know, I do have a a sister, I have an older sister, who's like a lot older than me, my sister's like 14 years older than me, and there's only the two of us, Um, and um, I think that by the time, you know, my sister was like 13, 14, other things had happened to my parents and stuff like that, and I think they thought that they weren't going to be able to have any more kids and mm. that they were just fine with my sister kind of thing. And I kind of misproved that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've never felt so rejected or alone in all of my life as I did back then. Fuck <laughs> you, Shane. He does actually Fuck look... Shane, your cheap-ass look-alike rip-off <laughs> that's in this film. I had to Google him there to see what Shane from Neighbours looked like, and they do look like they could have been conjoined twins. It's uncanny, isn't it? Really it? Is, it really is, yeah. It's frightening. <laughs> anyway, they right, pause this for a wee bit, Duncan. I need to dry the tears. <laughs> <laughs> I can't right. pause, I'm already at plea. Right, well, we'll kick on. I'll, I'll, I'll push through the childhood scarring. <laughs> um, right, so there's a big balloon cunt that looks like Shane from Neighbours. 
There's another character called Pete who's fairly nondescript. He's not blonde, therefore doesn't look like Shane for neighbours. <laughs> he appears in it shortly after this, but he's not in it at this point. However, the key problem with this film is also introduced at this point, and that's Tangles. <laughs> Tangles is their sound guy. Right. Right. Do you know why I have a problem with Tangles? Um... It's nothing to do with how I was conceived. <laughs> I don't know how you've got a problem. With... Was he also naval neighbours by any chance? No, he wasn't. However, he is in Black Sails. He's in. Oh, that's the pirate thing, the isn't it? Pirate thing that me and my wife watch. Yeah, right. he has one of the lead parts in it. He actually plays Long John Silver. Uh, Black Sails is a kind of prequel to Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. So it's a. Uh, you know, in Treasure Island, it's uh, Captain Flint's treasure and all that. Yep. So the main character in Black Sails is Captain Flint. Um, and the character of John Silver, he's not long John Silver at this point, just John Silver appears in the first episode and he's the kind of... He's not the lead character, but he's the main kind of sidekick character, if you like, in it. And he's played by the same guy that plays Tangles in this. And it kind of completely ass-fucked my ability to get sucked into the... Ah, right. You know, the the whole, oh my God, this is real, it's a documentary, like I did with Lake Mungo. Yeah, which yeah. I, which I think is real. Right. Um, yeah, because basically it's Long John Silver. <laughs> it, right, he dresses slightly different, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'd hope so. <laughs> There's far less dialing leather. In fairness, that's never a good thing in a film. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Tangles is actually one of the lead characters in Black Sails, which kind of blew it for me. That and the Shane thing just fucking wrecked it. Anyway. <laughs> now he gets back on track. Um, there is a level of animosity in the team. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. I, I missed the one bit that's kind of slightly important. The, Natasha shows a YouTube, a YouTube clip at this point, which is basically two young... <laughs> according to my notes, it's two young targets. It's not. It's two young taggers. Um, yeah. We used to call them fucking vandals yeah. in my, my, you know, my old day and age. But nowadays <laughs> they're taggers because they're fucking street art, right? Vermin. Do we street graffiti kids? A guy who's doing all the tagging and, and his wee like female sidekick. Uh, and there's a YouTube of them in the, the, these tunnels. Um... They appear to, like somebody has tagged on top of his tag and he's annoyed. Then he annoys and they start, he starts shouting, Yeah, you asshole, come out here and show yourself, thinking it's the guy that defaced his, his graffiti and all this. Then they basically scream and vanish, mm-hmm. right? Why nobody else has followed this up on YouTube, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but uh, our Natasha appears the only one to give any kind of fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, there's then we're made aware there's a level of kind of animosity between the team it's like an uneasy alliance because um, basically it would appear that Natasha has fucked Pete at some point in the past mm-hmm. I don't think he's the only one she's fucked either <laughs> there's comments made by Shane who ironically I think is trying to fuck her and hasn't but him and Tangles appear to be the only two that haven't um, so yeah I don't think they really like her because of this I think they, they believe that she uses her vagine to further her career scandalous scandalous indeed scandalous indeed my anus has got me nowhere in my career 
my career could do with a boost, Duncan. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so if there are any IT development managers out there that would like a little bit of my anus, <laughs> hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, particularly if you have a hemorrhoid fetish. Oh, Buzz. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, right. So, right. So, so apparently she fucked Pete at some point in the past. Um, however, she kind of fucks him over in this one. Mm-hmm. And that he's all geared up to go some big story in China. We don't know what it is, but it appears to be a big fucking important thing. She basically screws him by going to their boss, who I think she may be fellating. Um yeah. And basically gets him to tell Pete, now nah, you're not going to China, mate. You're basically going into a fucking subterranean dungeon with her now. Uh, so he, he's, he's less than pleased. Um, the others ain't too fucking keen on it either, kind of thing. They, they basically drink a lot and talk about doing chicks. They, they appear not to do too many chicks, but they talk a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like most Australians. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> um where are we? Oh, and a story starts surfacing about the, the homeless people going missing mm-hmm. in the tunnels. We see Natasha chasing after some minister in the street. He refuses to give her any kind of comment. Inexplicably, she doesn't try to blow him. That's bad. I mean, my first fucking move. <laughs> um, she then... Uh, yeah, she basically then trolls up a homeless guy called Trevor... I assume she doesn't want to blow. He does look like he needs a bit of a wash. Um, he claims to have lived down in the tunnels, so they do a little kind of impromptu interview with him. Um, they ask him what happened to him, basically, and he has this kind of psychotic episode, which was actually quite frightening. Mm-hmm. Trevor's one of the better actors in this movie, actually. Yeah, you know, um, the performance is really quite harrowing, actually. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the way it's, it's not what you would expect. It borders on slightly violent and confused. It's really well done. Hats off to Trevor the Jakey. <laughs> Trevor the Jakey Tramp. Um, she then at this point realises, no, no, what we need to do is get down into these tunnels themselves. You know what I mean? Because there's a guy who lived down there and is now clearly insane due to what happened. Why don't we get down? Uh, she calls a government contact to get her access to the tunnels she's promptly told to get to fuck <laughs> get to fuck boy um sorry that, that's from the wee man you know that scottish comedian guy yeah. that does the rapping thing yeah, yeah he yeah. does that he's another character that get to fuck boy oh, if man. you're a fuck boy I, this isn't going anywhere Nobody gets this apart from maybe you, and I don't even think you're very <laughs> closed he's, up in the anyway. He's going to rip your right, jaw. Basically, her job <laughs> appears to hinge on this story. So she's not really going to take no for an answer kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Um, it, there's kind of comment made that she appears to have screwed up in a previous story or investigation or something like that. Um, and I think they're kind of concerned that she fucks up again. And basically, she does her jobs over, kind of thing. Um, she mm-hmm. she does ever lie to the rest of them about having these permits. Um, so they go to the station. They're promptly kicked out by security for not having the permits. So uh, our master plan falls down, kind of at the first <laughs> first hurdle there. Really, um, they do, however, kind of break in to the tunnels via a maintenance access bit, which is frighteningly easy to break into. 
Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with it. Now, in fairness, this is one of my... Uh, not just mine, our biggest bugbears about found footage is when they don't give you a reason for having the cameras on. They do in this one, because Big Shane for Neighbours basically says, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to film everything to protect myself and my mates here. Yeah, because she's pushing all the illegality that they're doing. So basically, if he can prove that he was only following and he didn't actually commit any of it, then it's almost yeah. evidence. Yeah, it's the way it's put across, Larry. We all get it. It's a big, big footage film, mate. Let it go, Shane. Let it go. Okay. <laughs> it's almost um, as if a news movie would be reviewed on a podcast and someone might make criticism of the fact that there was no reason why the cameras were still on. <laughs> Um, they have a map which appears to be inaccurate therefore shite bordering on useless <laughs> um, so they're going down through the tunnel a lot of it's lit at this point but then they start to go into tunnels that are basically in the dark kind of thing um, th- then they find these main kind of abandoned tunnels which are very Victorian looking very impressive and I'm assuming it's an actual thing mm-hmm. under Sydney do you know what I mean um, I won't be going there there you are Seahaw um it's, uh, but again, it, it's uh, it's like some of the other some of these other kind of subterranean found footage films. They've found a good uh, setting for it, basically, and utilised that. And I think, in fairness to this film, it works really well. Yes. Um, so they're down there. Uh, they then um, they film a kind of scene uh, in an area that's been used as an air raid shelter during the war. So we find out about that. Basically, that was one of the uses of these tunnels. Um, and then oh yeah they find uh, basically a shelter like a homeless person's built so they kind of find evidence that there are in fact people living down there although they don't find anybody Um, they then come across one of the flooded tunnels which they refer to as the lake Mm -hmm. which is kind of misleading because it's not an underground lake it's a flooded tunnel yeah being a pedantic cock I am aware in fairness, that's I would refer to it as the flooded tunnel. Yeah, uh, that's they're referring to it as that. I would imagine because their story relates to the fact that the government said there was leaks in the tunnel. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tangles gets pushed in for a bit of a prank at this point, <laughs> which I would not have taken well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a wee heads up, Duncan, if we ever do end up anywhere like that, don't push me in. The basil come out swinging. You know what I mean? Although it is kind of ironic that they do it in tangles because it's kind of like they make them walk the plank. <laughs> and an eerie premonition of where his career will go. Do you think that maybe he used that as part of his audition footage? for? But, aye, aye, very possible. Look, I'm good in water. <laughs> I can act in water. Ergo, I'd be ideal. Um, yeah, so, like, he's not very happy. Uh, neither would I be, as I've been quite clear to you, Duncan. Yes. Um, they then sort of start to film a, 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 another kind of piece for the documentary kind of thing, but it, with Tangles has got his headphones on, he's kind of hearing voices whispering. He thinks it's the rest of the crew dicking about. We find out it's not. Mm. Um, they then go into the bell room, which is uh, another great fucking setting, because I I'm imagining it's probably real. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a kind of smallish room, and in the middle there is this huge rusted... I'm going to call it a bell. It looks nothing like a bell the way you would think a bell. It's more like a kind of poly, polygon, type, like a metal kind of polygon shape. Yeah. Type thing. 
um, which they strike. And apparently this was used as some kind of warning, I think, during the air raids. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they make a big deal of striking this bell. Uh, the noise is horrific. It doesn't sound anything like a bell. Um, and obviously the acoustics down there are designed in a certain way. Very unsettling, the, the noise, actually. Mm-hmm. Um but they've done it a couple of times. Basically, every time they hit it, it completely fucks Tango's recordings. It's like it's, it's too loud and there's too much going on and stuff. So he decides he's going to go into the room next door to get a better recording of it. Big Shane gets the headphones on. They strike the bell. Shane freaks the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And then the cable that's basically leading from their equipment into the other room where Tangle, Tangle's is, his we microphone, basically gets pulled as if from the other room it gets ripped out the equipment and the cable disappears very quickly kind of thing they all go horsing away through they sign a tangles tangles is mia it's like he's been abducted <laughs> which is ironic because he has been um <laughs> then uh, they're, they're freaking out uh, shane's going fucking mental because obviously he heard something on these headphones just as it happened mm-hmm then sort of back to the present as it were to like nowadays Natasha and she's then allowed to listen to this recording for the first time she's never actually heard what Big Shane heard mm-hmm. um, and we get to hear it as well and it's this I've written here this kind of horrible kind of screaming sound it's not screaming's maybe not the best it's kind of hard to explain but it's a very unpleasant sound that's being made by something mm-hmm. you know uh, like something alive um, but maybe not human um, you like the emphasis I put in the end of that sentence I, there, don't you? Really, really did. It's, it's, I'm sitting back in awe of how far you've come. Anywho, um, yeah, right, so they, they, they basically then uh, go sort of here. So we're back into the footage again. They're hearing off, looking after, uh, looking to find tangles. They're all screaming, Tangles, t- Tangles, Tangles, where are you, mate? Vaguely racist Australian impersonation there. Um, they then realize, well, it's basically Big Shane runs off. He has some weird secret longing for tangles, I think, in my head. It's his best mate. Yeah, I think there's a, wee, there's a, there's a little bit of a man love thing going you know, on, I think. And each to their own, do you know what I mean? One, if, one out of their elbow. Let's, let's, put, let's put it this way if we were trapped in, in some sort of tunnel with Big Davy. Big sexy Davy from the Rock yeah. and Roll reviews, and Big yeah. Davy went missing. I yeah. think we would be Big Shane in that situation. I think we would be desperately trying to find that big tall glass of fuck. D- Duncan, you you would not see me for screams <laughs> and trails of shite. Be able to follow you though, because you just follow uh, the trail of shite. Yeah, follow the screams and the endless trail of shite seeping <laughs> out from the bottom of my trousers. As I run for freedom, <laughs> screaming, kill the tall one. Take him, not me. <laughs> My main concern at this point would be that you could possibly outrun me because you're quite fit these days. <laughs> so I may possibly have like kneecapped you just before I ran up screaming. <laughs> just so there was two of you for it to feast upon. Give me a bit of extra time to get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> We love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So basically, so Shane's going to 
Pete manages to calm everybody down and he's like, listen, we've left everything in the bell room. All their gear, everything, including the torches, which would be fairly important for finding wee tangles. Mm -hmm. So they go back, but everything's gone. So basically now all they have is the light on Shane's camera. There's kind of two cameras. Pete's cutting about with a kind of like night vision camera type handheld number. Mm -hmm. Shane has a much bigger like traditional type camera, like shoulder mounted thing, which... I quite dug that because a lot, while it is fine footage, a lot of it is very well shot, so it's not too disorientating or kind of like nausea inducing. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, the big light on his camera is now really their only kind of light source. Um, they then set off again to find Tangles. They find a small kind of hidden room that has a chair in it. Everything's covered in blood. Tangles torches there. Yeah. Right. Pete inexplicably tries to say he doesn't necessarily mean he's dead. Pretty sure it does, Pete. There's literally fresh blood everywhere, as far as the eye can see, and his possessions are lying there. <laughs> Fuck up, Pete. Um, ooh, this bit's quite cool. So they're in there, they go back out, one of the cameras had been put on the floor. When they go back out, it's been moved. Mm -hmm. So they play it back, and basically what you see is them putting the camera down on the floor, and then their feet going by as they walk into the room. And I've actually just made my fingers walk across the table. <laughs> as a visual description for everybody listening to this audio-only podcast. Perhaps if I put the mic down next to my fingers, hold on. <laughs> There they go. Picture that in your head. Had two stubby little fingers. Right. Anywho. Um, yeah. Then we see the camera being lifted. And rather fucking creepily move into the doorway and film them in the room from behind them. Mm -hmm. That was quite creepy, that bit, I've got to say. Um, then you see the, the camera kind of been put down. It, it's quite confusing. They say, you know, at one point, they see, like, in a single frame, they get a glimpse of something. There's a couple of bits. There's a bit where I saw hair, mm -hmm. and I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be it or if that was maybe, like, Natasha's hair or something. I'm not very sure. But then the, the camera sort of freezes on this one frame that there's nothing in that I can fucking see, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's quite a good bit, it's quite eerie at that point. Um, up to that, up to this point, that there's not really been anything particularly scary, it's kind of suspenseful, the film. Yeah. But this is the first bit that kind of creeped me out. Like, even with Tangles disappearing, it's only like the, the lead going, you know, you don't see him getting grabbed or anything like that kind of thing. Um, so that was the first bit that kind of freaked me out. And I thought they did it quite well, with the possible exception. that they, I, I think they could have maybe given you slightly more of a glimpse at something. Mm -hmm. Not a full, a full fucking posed picture of it or anything like that, but just something. That, there was just too little for me to make it in any way kind of creepy. But the, the, the general effect of filming them was quite good, I thought. Um... Yeah, they then, I think it's Pete at this point convinces him that we need to go back up and get proper help because we're just stumbling about like cunts in the dark here, to be quite honest. <laughs> Natasha wants to stay to look for tangles, but Pete knows that shite. She <laughs> just wants it on, she's on the, the story kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Then a guard turns up. I think it's the guard that kind of threw them out earlier. That's right. He turns up. Um, and he's going to lead them out. So they come on, yeah. Come on, yeah, can't. Yeah, drunk. Yeah, drunk goes. Oh, God. Um, follow me kind of thing, you know. I'm really and sorry they, to our Australian listeners. Yeah, I know. It's basically just the witch Bindiquip, whatever his name is. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Sorry, witch. It's the old Amber Nectar. No, Amber Nectar's what they call lager, isn't it? Yep. I mean, I'm full of a whiskey, witch, so... <laughs> It's bringing out the Antipodean racist in me. Oh, Sorry, my friend. He's a he's a fellow Transmetropolitan fan, so I, I can't really diss the witch too much because mm-hmm. his taste in comic books is the shits. <laughs> Plus, his voicemail for our anniversary show was the only voicemail that contained the word "vagine." Yeah, yeah, and they all should. <laughs> You're listening, people. You're not going to include the word "vagine" in your voicemails. You have to send a picture of your vagine to the usual email address or via Twitter. Don't do it on Instagram because you know they'll just block you and I will not get to see your vagine. So do it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically, so he's like, come on, follow me. He walks up at the end of a tunnel and something flashes by and he disappears. Mm-hmm. That kind of bugged me a wee bit. All right. Just... It was like, oh, right, so it's like the Flash is down here now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just think they could have taken him out better. Yeah, it, it made it all a wee bit kind of, oh, God, right, so it's lightning fast, this thing as well. Do you know what I mean? I didn't really particularly like that, but... Um, they kind of go to leave... Hold on, I'm trying to get... I, I think I may have deleted some of my notes. Oh, no, no. No, I didn't, I didn't, it's okay. Um, yeah, they freak out, obviously, when the Flash steals the regard guy. And uh, they run and they hide in the wee room. Then they go to leave and they find out that nobody actually knows they're down there. Mm-hmm. In fact, they don't go to leave. They're like, Pete's like, oh, we'll just all wait here. Yeah. And then our boss, who we all think you've been fucking, will send people down to find us and she's like, ah, I didn't really tell them we're down here. But she earlier on in the movie, she'd stressed this point over and over again that John's got her back. John's got her back. Whatever we do, he will take care of things. If the law comes after us, he will look after us. All the rest, she's kept stressing this, which is why they have went to the extent of breaking into the tunnels to yeah. begin with. Yeah. No so permit, but John's got John at the the fucking the newsroom has got her back. Yeah, and uh, it's obviously been a load of shit. Um, she's obviously not told them the plan, probably because her mouth was full of booby. Oh, Baz. Um, <laughs> whiskey's having a weird effect on me. It really is. Like, you become yeah. like, more sexually aggressive than you usually are. I know, I know, and I'm not wearing it with the waist down. Oh, God. But oddly, I have a full three-piece suit on with tie from the waist up. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weird MD's book. They then find themselves back at the lake, or as I like to call it, the flooded tunnel. Mm-hmm. And the guard's there. He's in the water, like up to his shoulders. And he kind of turns around, and it's really creepy. It, it, it's, it looks... You're seeing this through the kind of night vision camera. And he's in water, and it, so it kind of looks like corpse paint. Mm-hmm. So he either, at this point 
has joined Gorgoroth. <laughs> or his eyes have been taken out. <laughs> right. I think it's the second one. But we'll find out later on that's so, the case. Now, basically, there's nowhere for him to plug his amp in. Do you know what I mean? And you, sh- you really, you shouldn't be playing electrical instruments when you're neck deep in water. So, um, I, I think the Gorgoroth thing's maybe a, you know, a red herring. <laughs> um, right, I shouldn't be dicking about because this is the, the most scary part in this fucking film. Uh, basically, it looks like his eyes have been taken out and then something. Now, obviously, it's all in pitch black and it's been filmed in a kind of night vision thing and it, Obviously, night vision works by amplifying kind of ambient light. There is very little ambient light down there to amplify. Mm-hmm. So even though it's night vision, you're not seeing very much at all. Something starts to form behind the wee guard in the water who's, who's clearly shitting himself in the water. Um, and he's kind of turning around, turning around. And uh, it gets closer and it starts to look like a person. Mm-hmm. But then you start to get a feeling for its face, which doesn't look quite right. The eyes appear to glow. But then arms come out like human arms and they come round him and he's whimpering and all that. And basically this thing, whatever it is, kind of snaps his neck, like twists his head round and then breaks his neck. Um, Natasha makes a noise because she's a fucking idiot. (laughs) And it turns to them. They all run like fuck. As you would. I have to admit, that scene was really, really creepy. Mm-hmm. It, it was really quite scary. I thought that was really well done, that. But um, just, you didn't expect this thing. You don't see it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming this film wasn't made in a huge budget. It's, it's very well shot, but I don't think they had much in the budget for things like special effects and stuff like that. Um, I didn't really expect this thing to be quite as human-like as it is. Mm-hmm. And the bit, I don't, just when its arms came out and kind of round him, it really fucking got to me, kind of thing, and unnerved me at that point, I've got to say. Um, they're all then running like fuck, because they're trying to crawl out through a wee tunnel. Pete's at the back, he gets grabbed by an arm. So you do see a wee arm flash out and grab him and pull him back, kind of thing. They're all screaming like fuck. Big Shane there turns the, the camera and turns the light, and this thing disappears. Um... I think at this point they kind of twig, oh, it doesn't like the light. Mm-hmm. Do you know? And so quite often these subterranean things, that's always the kind of the monster's weakness, if you like, is a kind of version to light. That's why they lived in there. I think they did that in the descent. They did indeed, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that obviously then they rescued Pete. They kind of set off trying to escape, kind of thing. They basically come across this kind of lair that looks like the creature's lair. There's lots of blood. There's a big pile of eyes. Um, which would explain what happened to the guard, as you <laughs> said. Um, but you've also got to wonder, right, if you're a fucking sewer-dwelling denizen of the dark, as this thing appears to be, why are you collecting eyes? <laughs> you don't really need them. Kind of your thing. Almost you, you live in the dark. Anyway. I'm picking it. I'm, I'm nitpicking you. Uh, lights go out come back on Pete gets grabbed they all run off but they all get split up at this point um, Natasha ends up in a room on her own the creature thing enters it kind of lunges at her breaks the lens of her camera um, the guys hear her screaming so they kind of go to help her we kind of see her leg 
been dragged, if you like, like the, the cameras kind of lying on the ground next to him, they're both getting dragged, kind of thing. Um, I guess quite confusing at this point. Um, I think she basically gets plunged into the lake, and the creatures there with her in the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they kind of struggle in the water. The guys turn up somehow, manage to save her. They manage to get her out. Pete kind of is left behind. Um, they hear his voice. They go back for him. He's been hurt. They carry him out. Uh, and then basically they end up kind of coming out in the train station. Um, and then it can all gets cut to, you know, like now, the kind of interviews that are making up this supposed documentary that we're watching. And I think this is the bit which we heard in the 911 call. Yeah. It's lying there. He's on the road out. Shane's having a wee greet because uh, he found out Daphne was pregnant and <laughs> Natasha's fucking roaring and greeting over Pete thinking I should have boned you a lot more than I did. Um, <laughs> basically, we then find out that he dies kind of later on that day. Um, and then we then get the usual kind of um, the, what happened to them after this. Maybe they went to work in Neighbours. Despite the fact the big Shane there clearly could have and it's like some kind of weird Bobby Ewing, it was all a dream type fucking scenario, <laughs> do you know? Like Shane wakes up in the shower, it was all a dream, there's Daphne pregnant. Um, <laughs> we find out Natasha basically resigned from journalism altogether, she no longer works in it. We find out Big Shane's still working. Other than that, <laughs> yeah, basically, ah, he's still working, he didn't give a fuck. Um, Tangles is missing, poor wee Tangles is missing. Um... Although his career went to strength, to strength. So swings and roundabouts. Um, and that, that's basically how it ends. Um, very reminiscent of As Above, So Below, this film, I thought. Funny you should mention that, because when I saw it the first time, obviously As Above, So Below was not out, had yeah. not been made yet. Um, and coming back to watch it, the the parallels between the two are very scarily similar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It doesn't have the kind of pseudo-religious elements that we get in, um, in As Above, So Below. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also doesn't have the annoying little cunt from the in-betweeners that we got in the pyramid. That's right. Let's face it, we should all be thankful for. Um, but yeah, well, I suppose at the end of the day, when you're making a film about being trapped in a unique subterranean setting you're going to you're going to cross cocks as it were do you know what I mean yeah with other movies that are set in unique subterranean settings yeah I mean the movie to me is kind of like a weird hybrid of The Descent and um, a movie called Creep um, which is set in the London underground Um, I was going to say the thing with the guy that makes the film no, 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 that's, it has the same name. Uh, right. But there's a there's a movie um, called Creep that's set in the London underground and a woman gets, through a series of unfortunate events, trapped down there and there is a bestial-like man down there that starts to hunt her. That doesn't sound cool at all, does it? Um, it's a pretty creepy movie, actually. It has been it on, sounds it. It has been in the back of my mind for a while as a potential Baz V horror 
Um, oh God, I should. Right, I'm, you should see, never say these I'm things. I'm pleading to me. the fucking fifth at this point. <laughs> I'm saying nothing more at all. Just finish the show. Yeah, but <laughs> but you are right. I mean, it, it, when you do a movie which which has a premise of people are trapped in a subterranean environment, there's only so much you can bring to that that has not been brought before. Yeah, exactly. Um, and unfortunately, your movie will instantly be compared to those things rightly or wrongly I mean yeah. as above so below definitely having watched that movie recently and then watching this again um, there are certain parallels to that um, oh without a doubt yeah, certain doubt. scenes and setups that are very 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 similar yeah. um, as you see it's a, it's a hybrid of that and the descent because you've got the kind of the living in the dark monster type thing that we get in the descent and you also get the just the, you know, creeping through the catacombs, you shouldn't be there and all this, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that you get in As Above, So Below. So, Which isn't bad, because they're both great films. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be fair, The Tunnel's a pretty decent film as well. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Do you know what I mean? It is a good film. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, what did you think? Tell, tell me your thoughts on this film, Duncan, before we wrap this fucker up. Um, I really enjoy it. I think where I fall on it, um, watching it again, for, for this show, having not seen it since circa 2012, maybe, um, is that I think the acting is all of quite a high calibre, actually. I really enjoy the 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 fact that we jump, like, like Mungo, we, jump, uh, we jump between modern time and yeah. the footage all the way through it, and they explain what's happening and then you think you know where things are going and then they'll say oh but this happened and then we look at it and you know the story starts to take a different direction and I really really like that aspect about it and it's it's safe to say that Leek Mungo probably has had an effect on that genre within Australia Um, because it was the big you know it was the big movie and I can't think of many fucking amazing yeah I can't think of many found footage movies from Australia Um. I, I dare say some of our more avid film footage fans might actually know of more. I don't think there's that many. Uh, and the tunnel is one of the kind of top tier ones underneath Lake Mungo. So I, I like that aspect of it. I like the story. I actually really like the fact that we never really get a proper glimpse at what's causing it. Uh-huh. Um, I've said before, I think when you reveal the beast in a movie, sometimes it can work against your movie moving on and the, the way they set this whole thing up the the flash that you didn't really like I really like that still frame you can make out well she said you, you couldn't make anything out you can make out like, this horrible bloody eye and this long hair um, and it looks like a creature right. um, and in the still frame it is very blurry but you, you know you can you can see it incidentally you said that you thought the long hair might be Natasha's the, the camera is zoomed in against Natasha and right. then it turns around and that's the freeze frame. And it's like this, you know, it kind of almost reminds me of the last broadcast of that, you know, that kind of fuzzy, distorted image of what is that? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of has shades of that in it. Um, I quite like the fact that we are in a position where we know that from the moment this starts, we know two characters aren't alive because those two characters are not in the documentary. So yeah, but I actually wondered if that's why they say at the start that some um, people, yeah, some people refuse to be interviewed. Yeah, I, I, not those two. They two are fucking dead. There's yeah. no way four people 
go into a fucking tunnel under the ground and only one of them dies. Yeah, but plus what's the horror of that story, really? You know what I mean? Why, why do we then have this movie, so to speak? You know what I mean? If if one person goes missing, then we never know what happened to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we need that. We need, we need something more. So from my point of view, that's never a, a big twist, but I quite like that because we're then we know what the end of the story is, kind of, and we're now working our way up to that end. Um, so, so I, I quite like that aspect as well. I think it's it's very well shot, um, and I, I like, I, I I just like the general vibe of the movie. I think it's like you said before, the Australians seem to really have a a very good grasp of how to make a horror movie. It seems to be whatever genre they kind of turn to. They never see the thing. They never rely on effects. Yeah. So they make really good fucking horror films. Yeah, agreed. Do you know what I mean? Because they don't... I don't know whether it's a budgetary thing or whether they just know that the, the, the more fucking you overdo it with effects, the less fucking scary the film is. Mm-hmm. So they kind they, they know how to play with, you know, just the plot and, you know, things like little glimpses of things and stuff like that and just how to ramp up suspense. Like, I think the tunnel... It, it's not the best Australian one I've seen. It, it's kind of mediocre compared to some of the other ones I've seen. Still a really good fucking film. That's how good Australian horror films are. Yeah. I Do you know what I mean? I, I genuinely think some of the best stuff I've seen in the nearly three years we've been doing this now, if you had one country that has come out, to me it would be Australia. If you said, mm-hmm. right, what, what country? If you could only watch their horror films from now on, drop it out and go Australia. Yeah, I think they really have this. They just there's a there's a care to the craft. They mm. almost they almost treat the genre with a bit more respect than what other countries treat the genre. I absolutely agree with that. And I think I think that's I've I've still to see an Australian horror movie that I think you know doesn't doesn't do at least one thing in it where I'm like that that's a really good idea or that's really clever how you've done that I've never come across one that's bored me um, funnily enough watching the tunnel back this time I had forgotten how much the pacing of this movie leans towards the last 25 minutes really which I mean is standard for, for found footage movies they yeah, tend yeah. To, yeah. the best ones are the ones that really slowly introduce a mythology then build up on that and then the last 25 minutes is anarchy um, mm-hmm. this one never really gives you the the full on anarchy that you would kind of expect and and I mean it's definitely going for more of the the kind of chills and thrills than it is for out and out scares but when it finished I, I am of the same opinion it's not the greatest fan footage movie I've seen but um, I, I still found the story infinitely engaging and the acting yeah. of a high caliber, and that's... Uh, the, the story's good. Yeah, that that that's a fair point. It, it, as, as found footage goes, found footage films goes in terms of scaring you. It's pretty middle of the road, but it's still a good film. It, it, the story's good, as you say. The acting's pretty fucking decent in it as well. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's definitely worth watching, even though. It's relatively weak in terms of how scary it is, you know, compared to a lot of other found footage. It's it's a weird one because I I think about because I think I kind of know where you're coming in on this, um, 
but it's weird that when we look at last last episode, last week's episode, and we look at In Memoriam, which has terrible acting, yeah, has a shit story. Like really, mm-hmm. the story is bad, and the plot devices are laughable. Um, but it puts an emphasis on jump scares. It really puts that emphasis on right, and now we're going to oh, and there's something there. Um, and then we look at this movie, which has got a great story and great acting, and it doesn't rely on jump scares. It just it kind of puts its its eggs in the unsettling basket, um, as opposed to the the, the boo jump scare. Um, and I look at that, and I'm like, that it would have been the if there had been a happy medium between that, if they could have just introduced something something a bit more terrifying into into the movie i think you've got like a thumping good film footage movie um, yeah. and it, it doesn't ju- it just doesn't quite have that it, i mean it's a, like i say it's a great story but by the time you reach the end of it the ending actually once again very reminiscent of as above so below in mm-hmm. terms of where we the emerge at the end kind yeah, of thing, yeah. Yeah, and that kind of right and now we're gonna start you know, the music's gonna get all intense and we're gonna start doing different scenes around them and all this. I it was very, very reminiscent that way and I hadn't even really put that much thought into that until we started talking about it. So so yeah, that's where I come down on it. I definitely think if you are a fan of the genre and you've not seen the tunnel, it is one that should be on your list. I think it's definitely yes. definitely watch that one above in memoriam. Um, definitely and um, yeah I, I thought it was and what I quite liked about the movie as well and this is totally unrelated to the actual filming of it itself is when that movie came out they put it up there for free watch this movie and if you want to support us after watching this movie buy something from our web store um, and I, I loved that I mean it was kind of crowd financed anyway I believe um, and that's what they did it was that kind of similar distribution model that um Jeremy Gardner did with uh, Tex Montana. Uh-huh. Now, they make the movie. If you want to give us money to own a physical copy, that's brilliant. If you don't hear it, it's for free. So, kind of cool that way as well. Right, Baz, I think um, I think this is fairly academic. I think I know where this is going. Unless you're going to pull some sort of shock, which I can't see coming, which I don't think you're going to. Let's bring it in to a close. For the final time on this Baz v Halloween Year three on this episode number five on this movie number ten. I need to ask you that in this battle on the stage, the grandest stage of them all, in the pantheon, the gladiatorial arena, who emerged victorious? Was it Halloween or was it the Baz? Uh, I've got to say, <laughs> I came right down to the wire this year, mate, and I was I was nervous going in when I when I realised it was an Australian kind of four documentary type found footage thing. I uh, I feared the worst, but um, I've got I watched it under bad circumstances. It was late as night. I was tired. I was supposed to be watching it with somebody. They fucking bailed. But um, while there are scary bits in it. Um, I coped kind of okay with it, and but I think it's like you say it. It doesn't ramp up enough towards the end to leave you a bit of a slabber and mess kind of thing, like yeah. some of them do. So uh, this one's got to go to the bars. Oh, there we go, there we go. Right, so we are gonna mull this over, come back and tally up the scores. Although I think we all know what they are. Um, right after this very short break. 
You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been the fifth episode in year three of Baz v Halloween. We have reviewed on this episode The Innkeepers and The Tunnel. And if my calculator... Um, has not failed me. Uh, I believe that the end score is Halloween 4, which means the Baz wins with six points. Congratulations, sir. How are you feeling? Kapow! I am on top of the world, big man. <laughs> feeling fucking worse. I thought it was going to... I genuinely had big concerns this was going to finish in a draw and you were going to make me watch another fucking film. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I kind of, after watching the tunnel last night, I was fairly sure that you had it. At, at that point when it finished, I was like, unless Baz was super creeped out mm-hmm. by, the, you know, the stuff in, in the actual tunnels himself, and I'm like, and he's seen quite a few movies that have used that, and he's worked all right with them, I think he's probably... See, this is the thing about doing these lists of movies, you know. Had I known the score was going to be what it was going to be, I probably yeah. would have picked something else for that last movie. I don't know what it would have been, but I would have picked something else. But um, well, fairness, that's the only thing that goes on my side in this fucking thing, don't this you? Is, know what I mean? This is true. This is true. This, the, the only the only kind of thing that we have to work with here is that I have, and I, I do for for those that don't know, I do have a spreadsheet on my computer. It has the movies listed out and it has a box beside each of the movies and in there I mark who I think will win. Um, And I don't go for the clean sweep. I never go for the clean sweep because very much like if you're making a mixtape for your partner, Baz, you know, back in the day we used to make the mixed cassettes and that. Oh, I made many of them, my friend. Oh, yes. Well, you have to be clever with how you make your list because... If you go in too fast, too strong, and too hard at the start, you know. I used to give a wee scoosh aftershave on the tape. Oh, God. Why does that not surprise me? Huh? <laughs> well, just on the case, not on the tape itself, because that would have probably dissolved it. it. Why? Just, what... just on the case. Give them a wee waft, don't you? <laughs> but oh. you, don't, you don't go in full. I used to, I used to listen to Nick and Elastic. <laughs> but you never go in, like, full full steam ahead at the start, you need to ease things in, get a feel you for the land. You build that fucker up, then you, you do. bring it down a little bit. Exactly, and that was my plan. However, you my punched plan... punched them right in the machine at the end! <laughs> my plan... That Chicago or something like that. <laughs> I did wagon right at the end there. <laughs> my plan did not go according to plan at all, because the majority of the ones out on my list that had Baz against them for winning, for some reason, went to Halloween this year. And I don't know how that happened. I, d- I don't know how that happened. Almost a complete reversal on every single movie I thought I would have you with went to you this year. <laughs> it's, it's mind-boggling. Maybe I need to change my thought pattern. I'm like, uh, the Basil cope admirably with this uh, and put more of them in the list. I- I'll be honest with you, Baz. Right, I'll be honest with you. Um, I like to think it's just because I'm a bit of a fucking clown. It's <laughs> just going <laughs> to... Kind of hard to figure out what we are. It's that madness, Duncan. You can't fucking bottle it, mate. You, you can't bottle the madness. I, I'll be, I will be honest. The original plan coming into this one was that this was going to be the last Baz v Halloween, um, because I genuinely, I told you at the start that I had kind of concerns that 
we were three years in now, you've watched a lot of horror movies. The chances that I'm going to be able to pick six movies, a minimum of six movies, that are going to scare the shit out of you, you know, gets more difficult every year because you're watching horror movies out with the show as well now. Yeah. So, you know, it's not as if you're only just... what If you were only watching one horror movie a month for this show, then yes, chances are I could probably still still ramp up a couple of wins, but it gets more difficult, and you'll be sad to hear that because things were so close this year, I have no intentions of stripping it away next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> dude, I mean, let's be honest here, let's be honest, you won by one from a draw, so I mean, I managed to get the highest hit ratio that I've ever had in this season. Um like the previous season you won by two clear points and the season before that I won by one clear point. So, I, you know, I, I've i never been this close to victory um, since season one, which was technically a technicality. So, yeah, there, there is no way I can let this go. Yeah, season season one as well, we only actually counted half the films. That's right, we only, we we only did the first we half. Had we done the full yeah. thing, you would have won, actually. Right. If we'd done it, all movies, you would have won because think there was in fact none of them we never scored them that way but none of them actually really scared you from the essential horror yeah pick. that was like Pontypool and things like that yeah Pontypool The Mist um, you know stuff like that what, 1408 freaked me out a bit I did I, w- I think I would have got 1408 I don't think whilst you loved The Orphanage I didn't think The Orphanage creeped you out you actually felt pretty good when that movie finished yeah, yeah. so yeah I think overall that would have been a win to the bands as well so Working under the ten movie rule, um, you only won by one clear point from a draw. So uh, yeah, I, I kind of whilst I was feeling kind of disheartened when this season kicked off, I've kind of felt a bit more happy towards the end. Uh, this was not the runaway that I thought it was going to be. Um, like I said before, I genuinely thought the first four movies you'd walk, and then the last. Six movies were basically my. They were stacked away. They were stacked, in my opinion, to to like crush you. Um, but you, you kind of tripped over the ones I didn't expect you to trip over. I didn't expect. It's funny because if I ask you what your favourite from the whole thing has been, you will probably say it's uh, uh, No Roy the Curse. Yeah, that'd definitely be up there. And that is a movie which like really gets to me, really, really gets to me. But I put it down as a Basil probably win this. So <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. You just, I think that's the wonderful thing about it. Um, and you having crammed in these movies over the space of three weeks, you essentially did ten movie reviews. Um, you now get to to bask in the relaxation of the the remainder of this month of September because the people know we recorded this in September and uh, yeah have a wee break from this show um, in October so I think you've earned that Um, yeah yeah I feel like I have (laughs) this year (laughs) I really do anything that any kind of and I mean we'll touch we we always touch on this when we do your anniversary show but Having ran through this list in the time period you have, do you feel that, do you genuinely feel that it is more difficult to scare you, um, even though the score would indicate is that, you know, it's maybe think, about the same? Yeah, I, th- I think, um, yeah, it's, it's like I said earlier on when we were talking about uh, the innkeepers, 
Yeah, it's definitely harder. Like, I feel I pushed you this year as well. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? It kind of stretched your... Like, you have a huge knowledge of film. and no, Not just horror. I know you watch a lot of film, but you have a huge knowledge of horror film. Um, and you admitted yourself that you were struggling at points mm-hmm. trying to put together 10 films that you thought could do it kind of thing, you know? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it must be. Um, it's funny, though, because... <laughs> It's the, the ones that do scare me, it, it's it's more like a, there's, there'll be a little odd thing in it that is that's what you're saying, you know, it's the ones that you think I'll be fine with. There'll be something in that film that makes a complete fucking mess of me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas the ones that you think, oh, you'll be terrified by that, I end up fucking coasting through it kind of thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there, there's definitely a level of tolerance built up now. Um... But, I mean, you, you can't watch this shit for three fucking years, the amount I have, and not build up some kind of intolerance to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I th- yeah, th- there's... I think you used to think that you knew the things that would get me, and I don't think that really seems to work anymore. Yeah, I think... You know, the, the, the sort yeah. of obvious patterns, the religious things, the found footage, you know. It, it's really a bit of a fucking throw of the dice. Um, I, th- I think sometimes the fucking it's, it's the kind of smaller, more obscure things because they'll tend to have a little idea in them mm. that I've no seen before that'll just give me the fucking willies. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, mm. it is. It is indeed. Yeah. It is indeed. Well, well, as they say, it's uh, back to the drawing board for me. I'm gonna very much like last year. I'm already gonna start to. I've already got one in Start mind. plotting again. Yeah, I've got, I've got at least one in mind. So, and we'll see. We'll see where we can go from that. But I think. Well, I, well, I think. I really hope the the listeners enjoyed it this year. Um, yeah, I think they've had a blast doing it, kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't when I saw the list. When I saw the list originally, I really didn't know where it was going to go because they were all a bit of an unknown entity to me. Um. And I didn't expect it to pan out the way it did. Like I was really, coming out of this last episode, I was really quite nervous about how things were going to go, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, the, the, there's so much fun doing these shows because it harks back to the first year of Basby Horror, that idea yeah. of the spirit yeah. of competition and that kind of... Like, both sides, you know, my side wanting to win, wanting to get those scares... Um, from you, which is something I, I genuinely just don't get from many movies now at all, um, that I have to live vicariously through your through your terror. Um, but like in the same the same side, you coming into unknown kind of entities with these movies and genuinely testing yourself when you watch them, and I, I, it is. I mean, it is like no one, everyone likes to be scared on some level because it releases adrenaline, and you know you get that. Oh, you get that scared, but afterwards you kind of, you know, you feel a bit more alive, but not in the environment that we do it. Not as in right. This is ten movies over, you know, five shows, and you, you know, your head's going to be in it because we never record them over five weeks are always condensed into a couple of weeks of recording um, yeah. and you have to go and live your life and stuff like that uh, <laughs> go to work and all the rest and then know that when you come home you've got to watch a movie that'll probably make you feel like shit so I, I mean and I, I work in a very old hospital building you do <laughs> I, can, I, can, I dread to think the amount of people that died in the building that I work in 
Yeah, it's... and I do sometimes think that at night when I get down the back stairs when I'm leaving into the car park, that thought was through my head quite a lot. It is. It's, it's one of those things that you know it should it should unnerve you. And, um, I think I, I enjoy doing these. I really do enjoy these. I, I mean, I enjoy doing the franchise stuff and I enjoy picking topics and sitting down and doing them. But I think the the crown jewel, the, the way we close out every year up towards your anniversary is this this run of shows is this, yeah. is, and it, it is the culmination of a lot of hard work um, it's taken a year in the prep for me to get to this point um, and I, they never let me down I, I always know that you're going to you're going to throw something at me that's just going to make me piss myself so and this this season especially that previous episode in memoriam review is one of the funniest fucking things we've ever done and I love how annoyed you were that that movie made you shit yourself um, yeah. but yeah I think I think it's been great and like I say we will we will do another one I think next year if it's like a runaway if you run it away then we'll we'll plan something different for future Halloweens but um, as long as Halloween keeps scoring points against you, there's you know there's the the inclination that it might be worth carrying on, and um, hopefully the people out there, like you said, have enjoyed and have been entertained because they are they really are even though we've condensed them, they're a fucking riot to record. They really are so yeah, much fun they are to good record. Fun. They are um, good fun. But yeah, that brings us to the close here of this. Um, what I would like to say, obviously there is a there is an episode that always drops on Halloween, um, but that is a commentary and it doesn't have an opportunity to to like personally thank people. But I'd just like to, before I go and plug every single show uh, feed that we have for this, um, wish everyone a, a fantastic Halloween. I hope you've had a bitching month of October. You've watched tons of movies. Hopefully... They have terrified you like the bass has been terrified sometimes on this season. Um, thank you very much for the love and support. I already know before these shows go up that they're going to download really well because they always do. Um, and that is before the community is as big as it is now. So I, I reckon these shows are all going to become like biggest downloaders for the year. And I, I couldn't be happier about that because uh, a lot of hard work went into it. But um, yeah, I, I hope you guys have a fantastic October, you've had a fantastic October and um, uh, look forward to having the Baz return with us in the very near future um, after the day of this show. Baz, um, there is a multitude of ways, you know this, for the listeners out there to check our shows and the primary one is on the iTunes. It's very important for us that you subscribe on those iTunes feeds. Um, now, if you're a casual listener or you are someone that has just come across the show for the first time, uh, I'd like to apologise for the bands first and foremost, but please, Sorry. Subs- <laughs> please subscribe. Um, this way you get every single show as and when they drop and you get access to the entire back catalogue. And if you're a subscriber over there or a casual listener, please leave us some feedback. If you have had fun listening to what we've done here and you listen to us on iTunes, it takes two seconds to leave us some feedback. It doesn't cost you anything except a couple of minutes here time but it means the world to us the more of them we get especially if they're five stars um, it pushes higher up in the iTunes charts and means that more people casually searching for new podcasts will come across the podcast under the stairs we are on Stitcher Smart Radio we are on SoundCloud we have a website tputzcast.com we have a fantastic Facebook group page it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast the Baz handles are twin prongs of social media sexiness 
Um, Baz, could you tell us how people can interact with us over there on those? Could not be easier. At TFUTSCAST. Search that on Twitter, you'll find us. Search that on Instagram, you'll find us. If you want to show me your tits, Twitter. <laughs> if you just want to send me a picture of your cardigan, Instagram. <laughs> At TFUTSCAST on either one. <laughs> Right, the last word as on all these uh, these um, Baz v uh, Halloween closing out the final episode obviously falls to you, Baz. Is there anything you want to say before we we rein this fucker in? <laughs> Not really. I um, I just I really I really hope the listeners enjoyed this as much as I did. Um, it's always fun. I know I'm bitching and I moan about it and I make it feel like it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. And, it's, <laughs> and in some respects, it is. But uh, I, I do secretly enjoy it in a dark, kinky, deep down, sordid type of way. Um, I just I hope you all do it because really, if you don't like this, fucking tell me, because I'll just stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not a problem. <laughs> but, um, if you do like it, please let me know. Hit me up on Twitter and tell me if you've enjoyed the shows. Thank you very much, folks. Right, um, Baz. Do you want to say goodbye to them all? Bye bye. And from myself, Duncan McLeish, thank you again for all the support, checking out the shows. We look forward to coming back with you in a couple of days' time to do the commentary show um, for Halloween. But until then, wherever you are, whatever time zone you're in and whatever you're up to right now, please take care of yourselves. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs, signing off. If you're going to scream, scream with me. Moments like this never last When new creatures wave your face Hybrids open up the doors Ooh, baby, when you cry Your face is Yeah.